0: Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. (laughs) Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley. I write comics, books, podcasts, screenplays, etc. And on each episode, we're going to be talking about a piece of work from the horror genre, be it movies, TV shows, podcasts, games, books, comics, poetry, music, fine art. If it's spooky, we're into it. The one catch is that whatever the piece of art is, we're going to evaluate it through a progressive lens. We're going to talk about feminism and horror, race and horror, LGBT rep and horror, physical and mental disability and horror, We recognize that horror is a genre never agreed to this podcast. My favorite thing about horror movies is being surprised and there's nothing more surprising than a horror movie that has something interesting to say in between the screams, of course. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the 2011 movie, The Cabin in the Woods, and with me to do that, our fellow comic book writer, Ben Kahn, whose work you might know from Heavenly Blues, Griffin, or the upcoming Renegade Rule, Also returning is psych professor, comics psychology consultant, and one half of the Gotham Outsiders of Batman Book Club podcast, Chris Carey. And brand new to the podcast is, in fact, the other half of the Gotham Outsiders podcast, librarian in training and self-proclaimed Buffy the Vampire Slayer expert, TJ Finnessy. Ben, Chris, TJ, now that the four of us are assembled, shall we begin the ritual?
1: We shall. Let's do it. It's so nice to be not just one half for once.
2: Yeah. Yes, together we make one whole person. <laughs>
1: one whole person.
2: <laughs> one whole bat person.
3: <laughs> one whole you have bat both man. Of your,
0: you have both halves of the BFF necklace. Now you can stab him in the boob or her. Yeah. Somebody that can stab hard. somebody in the boob.
3: We are ready boob to getting stabbed. Can I <laughs> be
0: Megan Fox? Uh, this to is a question that. we all ask ourselves every day.
4: <laughs> we are ready to discuss can the, I the horror movie about horror movies. That is not Scream.
2: yes we are i'm surprised i wasn't the first person to mention scream
1: (laughs) that is surprising in every conversation i
2: win no let's see who the
0: first person to scream is
3: (laughs)
2: oh chris is a screamer
3: hey now
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is a strange context all right to jump into it a little bit uh the work we're discussing is the cabin in the woods it is directed by drew goddard what a lot of people associate this movie with is a different person who co-wrote this with Drew Goddard, that being Joss Whedon. Just to put it right out there, there have been a lot of issues with Joss Whedon as a as a writer, as somebody who is apparently somewhat known for um, I don't know various questionable practices. There was a, an article that his uh, ex-wife uh, had published in you know one of the the trade magazines there've been some discussions of, of him along with, you know, various other folks that this has come up during the, the me too movement as somebody who is, who, you know, engaged in grooming of female writers and creators, um, you know, brought people on with uh, less than seeming honorable intentions. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that can't be ignored, especially in, in this movie. Uh, did anybody have anything they wanted to say about that up front?
2: Uh, I know Chris has feelings. Uh <laughs> I, obviously, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Cabin in the Woods. I'm a huge Joss Whedon work fan, but with everything that's come out in the past few years, it's one of those things where you, his work influenced my life so much and I have to separate it from him. And now when I rewatch things, I have to look at the more problematic angles and, you know, we have to talk about them and I'm sure we will here tonight.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to feel about him. And I feel like the problematic angles are more obvious when you know about him as a person. That said, it's hard to return to any of his work without feeling it. I I loved Firefly. It was one of my favorite shows, but I'm honestly scared to rewatch it at this point.
2: Yeah, I I I think The Cabin in the Woods has aged fairly well. And it's aged even better when you know nothing about Joss Whedon as a person.
4: I feel like this movie speaks to a lot of his strengths as a writer, but also speaks to like some profound limitations that he has as a creator.
2: He's very nineties feminism, and I think it's worth I mentioning that there's
1: been a new
3: wave of feminism <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: ricky gervais and jk rowling and Wheaton. No. whedon and it's like all your favorites liberal, are problematic liberal in the 90s and haven't changed since team go go
0: yeah well i mean you're talking to somebody who's his favorite actor used to be kevin spacey so
4: <laughs> yikes uh, anyway. that's rough
2: buddy
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah It it is also worth mentioning that this movie is directed and co-written by drew goddard who since since making kevin in the woods is largely responsible for uh, several bits of the Good Place, like co-created the Good Place, directed yes. the first episode of it. Several I other. I was episodes really of
4: surprised it. to hear that this was his first thing he directed because I thought he did a really good job in this movie. Yeah, yeah. it was
0: really artfully directed, really well put together, uh, especially for somebody who's you know this is their first time.
4: Yeah, like, support- I thought he nailed like all of the classic like real like awesome like horror movie vibe like i thought he did a real good job uh behind the camera
1: yeah absolutely
2: i had a visual companion for this movie when it came out at one point i read the whole script and like behind the scenes details and this might be on the commentary for the dvd but supposedly drew and joss whedon uh, completely wrote it 50 50. they rented a hotel room with each other for a long weekend Uh, And divvied up who wanted to write what. um, And it supposedly was half and half. Um, And I I clearly remember a couple sections that Whedon did write. I'm Um, very
1: curious if they're the ones that he obviously wrote.
2: (laughs) Yes, I think they are. And we will definitely talk about that.
1: Sure will. There's definitely some moments where it was like, oh, Joss Whedon is here. I see.
0: Yeah, he he makes his presence known several times.
1: Sure does. But...
0: Yeah, uh, Drew Goddard seems great, though.
1: He does. I love The Good Place. The Good Place is one of the best things that has happened to television in years. He did the
3: The first season of Daredevil.
0: Yeah, he was the showrunner on the first season of Daredevil.
2: First season of Daredevil, also fantastic. He he was supposed to do an X-Force movie and a Sinister Six movie, but they both got canceled.
1: Oh, I would have loved that. That would have been great.
0: I think he would have done great. I mean, that Sinister Six movie would have been part of the amazing Spider-Man series, so it's probably for the best that that didn't get made. But
1: Aww. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. bisexual Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> before, before we rant through the whole movie, uh, let's go ahead and get <laughs> the other bits out of the way. Uh, what sort of trigger warnings do we want to give about this? I guess other than Joss Whedon
4: uh, being some people's trigger. I mean, it's a violent movie. Yeah, it's, like, lots it's a, of gore. Yeah, like if you're squeamish about blood and gore, like i would forgotten just how gory this movie is. It is real gory.
1: It's not like realistic gory because TJ can attest to the fact that I hid behind my hands the entirety of the movie Logan, but I was <laughs> able to watch this one. So it's it's very cartoony gory in some ways. So I feel like if you can handle like a Tarantino type of gore, you can probably handle this.
4: Yeah, that um, sounds right. Yeah,
2: it's exaggerated gore. Yeah. I didn't like the part where a girl was coerced into having sex with someone.
1: Yep, didn't love that. No.
0: Yeah, that the, would I, I would say the violence and gore is pretty standard horror movie fare. There is uh, sex and nudity in a very '80s horror really? movie type, but there's also a lot of that is is tied to gaslighting, which is literally a theme of the movie.
1: Yeah, to give gaslighting, you a, drugging, and I coercion. Think
4: nothing exemplifies this movie's gore level uh like this is a movie where a decapitated woman's (laughs) head is thrown and then when it's dropped it bounces like a basketball
1: (laughs) it does this is true yeah it's it's pretty light on the other triggers i would say except for gaslighting definitely
0: yeah breaking a breaking a Trend that I was having at the point I watched this movie. Rape is not a plot element in this movie.
1: Which is so nice. It was surprising.
0: Nice change of pace. <laughs> and the, the horror genre. I don't know if I was just getting really unlucky or uh, there's just a lot out there right now, but it was just like, oh, rape is a plot element in this movie. Oh, no, she's mod- motivated by her rape to go do this. Oh, no, he's motivated by her rape
4: to go do this. All right. We got um, so close in the first purge, and then just, nope, here come, like, the sewer-dwelling oh, baby. the pussy baby grabber. <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah. I know. you were not unlucky. That's a thing in horror, but also all media. I'm very tired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, on our, our scale of how scary this is, uh, as far as, you know, what what sorts of people would want to watch it, is it spooky? Is it spooky? Is it terrifying? Or is it existentially disconcerting?
1: How about uh, a little of all four?
2: See, I don't think it's scary, but I have a friend that refuses to watch it because the the last act just scares her so badly. And I'm like, "Girl, it's funny.
1: <laughs> it I is th- funny. I'll say it's scary too. I, I the last act is the part I think that is scary, but I also like it and I think it's funny. Um, I
4: feel like it's uh, sp- like it's scary. It gets as close to the line of spoopy as it can without ever quite crossing over into spoopy. And you it, can't gets tell me real, those... it gets <laughs> real close to that line though. And
1: you can't tell me the last five minutes did not leave you with existential dread.
0: <laughs> it feels like it pulls a real arc from being like spooky to terrifying to spoopy to in the last five minutes, existentially disconcerting.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a little it's a roller coaster. A, B, C, and
2: D. Yeah, it suddenly like, turns into waiting for a Godot at the end.
4: <laughs> like I think for like as meta as it gets of like, ooh, we're engineering like this hill the you know, the redneck murder zombie cult. Mm-hmm. Um once you get past that it's still a really well done kind of version of that movie and whenever they show up it's legit like anytime that bear trap showed up i was like oh fuck like at at my screen
1: yeah
0: yeah and i I don't really understand how that bear trap works
4: Um, (laughs) magical
1: bear trap is magical but not as magical as the bong
4: it's like it's it's the bear trap pretty much works like Spider Man's webs if everything the web touched <laughs> is, like was mauled.
1: That's amazing.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it's.
0: Uh, we'll, we'll get to it, but the, the bear trap never actually closes, but also nobody ever opens it. Like it yeah,
2: hits It's kind of like a fix. It's like Catwoman's whip. It is. Batman it is. reference. Yeah, you had to get it in
4: there. I love it
0: we it's better that than indiana jones because we referenced indiana jones a lot during the mummy podcast also,
4: one uh, other thing i i noted i really noticed this time around how many grievous backstab wounds do characters completely oh walk goodness. off in this movie
1: they are decimated throughout and continue to just keep going it's amazing
4: yeah the back is apparently
0: not a place that you can be stabbed and killed you have it's to be true. You have to be stabbed like in the front somewhere in the, the stomach or the chest or the face.
4: Like yes. a character takes a whole fucking trowel to the spine and is, <laughs> walk, and walks it off.
1: And another character gets shredded by a werewolf down the back and also mostly walks it off.
2: Does she turn into a werewolf? That's something she I wanted to ask.
1: <laughs> she doesn't have time but I feel like she would have. Like
4: <laughs> what so if she lives? This <laughs> is definitely a movie like that you couldn't maybe like you definitely can't make a sequel to this no very poorly no but i would <laughs> i mean love you to could
0: see... but it's a very different movie it's
1: like, a just, very different it's movie it's just the old gods being sad that disaster nothing is movie. they're like but nothing is entertaining us we're so bored
4: i'd really <laughs> like to see like more like this world like year, other years yeah. but like uh, as like a series like a mini series oh, where Origles, like really yeah. focus especially like way more on the behind the scenes like Back office stuff.
2: I swear that when this movie was coming out, they announced a prequel graphic novel, but it never got released because the film got delayed. Um, the company that was releasing it went out of business and then Lionsgate picked it up. Um, So there was a delay between filming and release and I swear there was a graphic novel prequel, but I just researched this and couldn't find it anywhere. (laughs) I I
0: don't know about the graphic novel, but the the history of the movie itself was, yeah, it was made by MGM. MGM then went bankrupt and everything went out of business. (laughs) Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard gave up on it ever actually getting released. And then Lionsgate swooped in and picked it up and uh, released it, which, you know, good for them because it's done incredibly well. There's
4: a lot about this movie that works really well.
1: There is. There's definitely some things that haven't aged well as well. Yes. Like the first lines. I don't know if we're there yet, but man, I was not ready for the first line of the entire movie to be, maybe she's hormonal. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> supposedly people were leaving the theater because they thought they had the wrong movie
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> that's funny
0: well apparently a- according to some places that I've read I guess that's intentional like they, they chose so. to open with this like stuff that seems not like a horror movie <laughs> it is right. it does not involve yeah. cabin teenagers or the woods um,
4: well, I the guess way. let's
0: jump into that
4: I guess it really doesn't tell you about the twist but it definitely let you know right away that this isn't going to be quite something okay. typical.
1: I'm glad you thought this too because I also didn't remember that it revealed so early that something was going on. Um, I remembered being surprised and now I don't understand why I, I was think surprised. think it's because
2: we had no idea what they were talking about the first time.
1: That's true. It's hard to unsee it when you're going back and watching it.
4: I, was, yeah. I watched this with my partner. That was her first time watching it. Oh, and man. it really was fun just like – sitting there in silence as she just pointed out like every cliche <laughs> she was spotting oh, and I just agree. going like mhm i i do want to point out
2: the the blood in the opening credits i thought it was yes. animated um but it was actually melted chocolate oh yeah
4: <laughs> man the old kind's just want sugar
1: They just, just want, want sugar and boobs apparently
4: i can wait. Which-
0: I mean, I was going to say that about the sugar part, but then you added boobs in there, and I'm already going. Away. <laughs> and you know, it's it's not it's not incorrect.
4: Just don't trick anyone into getting either. Yes, yes. <laughs> don't use fe- don't use pheromones like chemical. <laughs> pheromones. Don't use pheromones use chemical warfare. giving
0: me chocolate.
1: Can pheromones make me eat chocolate?
4: <laughs> so um, I was looking at this. I don't know if this is a true Easter egg. One of my favorite things is they mentioned early on, like the fuck up of '98. Yes, Which what do you think I, this is? I believe that's a reference to the movie The Faculty, where none of the main uh, cast members die, and they end up uh, beating the monsters with drugs that the uh, the Scholar character creates. I don't know
1: if it's true, but headcanon accepted.
4: So that would make sense as like, a horror movie well, that, that came out in 98 19- very- that would have like failed in the scenario that they put out. Yeah. I remember when
2: they first pitched this movie... Um, when they announced they were making it, they were like, oh, it's the cousin to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I feel like it it really is.
1: So is this the point in the podcast where I admit that I have seen exactly four episodes of Buffy and three of them were because TJ forced me to watch them at an (laughs) event? The very final event I went to before quarantine was TJ forcing me to watch Buffy in public.
2: <laughs> it was amazing.
0: You know it what? was it's...
1: horrible. Thank you. Which which episodes
0: it... did they force you to watch? Though?
1: Uh it... the musical of course. and the chocolate bars. What was <laughs> yep. the third one? I'm mm-hmm. surprised you remember. Um It is scarred into my memory because I mean, Band Candy is sense. a
0: very good episode. I love Evil Giles. Um
1: Oh yeah. Honestly,
2: it was whichever one was after
3: Band Candy? I I, think
1: so. It it wasn't as memorable as those two. Straight up though, none none of those episodes are good to watch if you've never seen an episode of Buffy because Mm. they are both about people acting out of character, which doesn't work if you have never seen the characters.
4: Yeah, that's (laughs) a fair point. Chris, I'll give you this. It's four more episodes of Buffy than I have seen. (gasps) I'm not
1: alone!
4: I've seen Firefly, but I never got I, around to Buffy.
1: Oh, we're kindred spirits in so many ways, Ben.
4: <laughs> so,
2: did you guys find the two characters that were introduced to in the first scene? Did you find them likable, Hadley and
0: Hadley Likeable and Titterson? Right? I believe is the other character's name.
1: Oh, Hidderson. I did not remember either. I mean,
4: shows. there's two elements that like: do I believe they're good people, and there's do I enjoy watching them do their yes. job and banter?
1: And these are separate. <laughs> yeah. They're really funny. I will say, they have the funniest lines of the movie. They also have the most problematic lines of the movie, probably.
2: Yeah, See, I feel like they're the Joss Whedon self-inserts. Oh, just the dialogue
4: is just... That so, follows. So oh, Whedon. their dialogue is... Their whole sequence and that whole dial of humor is very Joss Whedon, yes. right? There's they're that, like, show it, us the goods.
1: There's that classic so this is right in the first scene, so it feels appropriate to go ahead and bring this up here because it's going to keep being a problem. There is that classic Joss Whedon problem of wanting to have the cake and eat it too. Like, clearly he is commenting on how sexist and racist these two guys are, but they're still the lines that are in the movie. So he doesn't get away from having those lines.
0: Yeah, I mean, so Hadley is played by Bradley Whitford, uh, who is definitely the more charismatic and central of the two um until he's not um and then citizen is played by Richard Jenkins and yeah we we find out early on it's a little unclear exactly what's going on but they work in some sort of some sort of building a government facility of some sort uh they're riding around on a, a golf cart and uh just just generally talking shit like these guys are they're not pleasant people they're very like government office bros and um they're, they're not anybody that I'd wanna hang out with, but I think part of part of the charm of this movie or part of like what makes this work is that they are people who talk about horrible things that are happening in front of us as if they are boring and run of the mill.
1: Yeah, and that it's, part holds up as being really funny.
4: It's very much fantastic meets mundane. Yes. It's very much that these very fantastical things they do have become utterly mundane. And that's all, you know, whether it's, like, stuff like what, you know, I and mean, what we do, stuff like what we do in the shadows, like, runs on that kind of humor. It really nails that fantastic meets mundane vibe. Absolutely. And I feel like that's, like, the main theme of the movie, which it
2: uh, it's on the nose a little bit because they bring it up so much of are these things that they should get used to, and are they lengths that they should be going to, even if the end game is debatably worth it?
1: yeah that is it is also funny that i don't remember it being that uh text <laughs> i forgot how there was so little subtext in this movie uh i remembered it being much deeper and then i'm watching it and i'm like oh yeah they it's very much like the first purge they will tell you what the movie is about don't worry
4: i definitely interpret. like i've heard instances like i granted there's only intents of like you know like like ER doctors having like very dark humor just as like as a coping mechanism. Yeah absolutely. But to me there was always there was that interesting element of these are people doing terrible things but in a world where it is a like moral necessity to do those terrible things and the coping mechanisms they create to live with that with that like horrific cognitive dissonance
1: right yeah. and it's really interesting that they have the f- sort of four characters that are reacting to it that we see mainly which is the two office guys uh and then amy acker's character and her reaction is to be morally superior all the time even though she's still doing all of it very much like our doctor scientist from first purge
2: um, and joss whedon loves amy acker in a lab coat i I just need to point that out <laughs> he
1: really does yeah
0: there's uh Bye. any actor's character we'll, we'll get introduced to in the next um the next section in the lab along with the fourth character you're mentioning truman yes. i have some stuff to say about when we get there but Please. first let's uh let's go ahead and uh jump to uh we we get them talking and then we get the you know cabin in the woods credits and it's an abrupt cut to uh dana who is our, I guess, our protagonist. Well, I
4: feel like the credits are also very confusing if you don't know what's going on, because oh, right? then it's like, wait, is this Hercules? Is this, like, is this a mythology movie? Yeah, right? there's a lot of, like, They're
0: blood spreading. running over pictures. You of
4: go Hercules. from, like, office space to, like, stuff like uh, the opening credits for 300
1: To a panty shot immediately.
4: Yes, because...
1: Because I, Joss Whedon. <laughs> yeah.
4: Oh yeah,
2: he definitely wrote this scene. Yeah, the dialogue is so weed Um, it's just so so we
1: it is, and this is definitely another instance of the having your cake and eating it too. Like, look, I'm commenting on the male gaze, but also there <laughs> right? is male gaze.
2: <laughs> and I guess Felicia Day must have been unavailable to play Dana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my we god. He had to find
1: another redhead.
3: <laughs> that's, you know, that's
0: I, I ask oh. is like other than Fran Kranz and, well, other than Fran Kranz, everybody else that is in this main cast was, like, not anybody at this point and other than Chris other, Hemsworth. They, other, than,
4: other than the handsome elephant in the room. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> um, Chris, Hemsworth. Well, Chris Hemsworth
0: wasn't anybody at this point. Right. Because,
4: like, like, Thor had come out, but wouldn't have come out when they were actually making this movie. So exactly. TJ is
0: probably going to want to give this, this same bit of context. <laughs> But like the, the thing about this is that this movie was like because it was on the shelf, oh. uh, he actually got the role both in Thor and Red Dawn off of like dailies from this movie. Oh, fascinating! Um, wow. people watch this, watch the dailies, and were like, "Oh, that is a very attractive and, and muscular man." Let's mm-hmm. put them in him in these other movies, and then of course MGM went out of business, and this movie sat on the shelf while well, those other two movies got made and came out.
4: Now, what did you guys think of Hemsworth with in this movie? Because I really did feel it's like, oh, wow, there is some like super, there is superstar energy. Like that this is, is very so much like good. a before he was famous role. Yes. And yet I'm like, oh yeah, no, I can like, there's like, you, he has like it he's he is, very charming
1: he is so charming it's you know it's sad to watch him get gaslit into a horrible person because he's so fun at first yeah that I was really my love him
0: that was my reaction to this because i i don't think like i paid as much attention to the characters of of dana Jules kurt and holden but specifically kurt and Jules in this first part as i did this time around because yeah. kurt is clever he's funny he's uh interesting he's like he is throwing a football around which is a little oh whatever it's a weird but it's just a very bro way to introduce somebody it's like he just plays, he just throws a football around the apartment for a while um <laughs> but
1: then he's like sociology genius. yes
0: he's very yeah. book yeah.
2: smart
1: like, full, he's like yeah you full should academic check out scholarship
0: you should read this book because you know the professor doesn't teach his entire class from this one and he'll think you're insightful which is a very like i he's a cool dude yeah. I think He's the- also,
1: like, super respectful. Like, he keeps eye contact the whole time. He points out that she's not wearing pants, but he does not look. Just throwing it out there.
2: Well, And I think what's, <laughs> from having read the script and watched this movie so many times, I don't know if I would have picked up on this the first time around, but what's happening here is that we're being introduced to them as the people they are, but they've already started to be reduced down to these stereotypes by the government agency.
1: Right, um, because like of like she- the hair dye. Exactly.
2: And- um, so we don't know how they've already started to affect these other people in different ways. Um, but as the movie goes on, of course, we see Curtis start to act more bro like.
4: And that was something I thought, you know, for the movie, I thought the movie did such a good job being like a deconstruction of a slasher movie that it didn't fully and this, and this really goes into kind of the big flaw the movie has which is like uh dana and her lack of agency is that it really didn't get into the specific horror of its scenario of like older generations like gaslighting you into like stripping you of your identity of like of taking away everything that makes you who you are so you can be what they need to sacrifice you to the system.
1: Right. I feel like this movie now would have been that way more than it was then. Because I I was trying to put myself back into the mode of that year. And I think, you know, this was revolutionary back then. And we're looking at it now in 2020 and going, it's not revolutionary. But so many of the movies have been built on it. Somewhat unfair.
2: Yeah. And I think they specifically said this was supposed to be a commentary on... Uh, like torture porn but to but it me, also
1: does that
4: <laughs> right
2: i i think it does a way more than that though
4: oh yeah i mean this is at, coming out at a time when like we were getting movies like hostile and saw seven and a half that were yeah. literally just torture porn
0: yeah I, I feel like the stuff that's maybe the most interesting to me like message wise doesn't actually pop up until like the very end when we get to see you know, the director and, and hear from her. That's the stuff that's interesting to me. Obviously, the main main behind-the-scenes cast is treating everything very by the numbers. There's not a lot of philosophy there other than the real real base level kind of stuff.
4: I will say, it'd been long enough since I'd seen the movie that I'd completely forgotten that the director was Sigourney Weaver. Oh. And I was delighted all over again. Oh, Just like so
0: Ghostbusters, good. man.
4: <laughs> she's great. At I mean, she's And she's so good in that role. Absolutely. Like, like, I know it's not, like, a huge role, but just what it demands, like, that level, just badass them. So you just nails. Yeah, oh, yeah. she
2: was perfect. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: I, I feel like, going back to this, I feel like this first scene is all really built to establish, yeah, they're all smart. They're all round, decent people before uh-huh. the rest are, of the movie are they all... specifically okay. goes to flatten it.
1: I'm ready to throw my gauntlet well, down because this movie has a chip. I think Holden is a full-on chip. I've got to say. You
2: don't like Holden?
1: I hated, Hol- I hated Holden so bad. He
2: seemed so wholesome.
1: No, he didn't. How do you and hate I will, Holden?
4: There's not will, enough character to hate.
1: There,
2: there
4: is enough
1: character hate. to hate. I will tell you why I That's like saying
4: Holden I hate the concept care. of wallpaper. It's like, yeah, sure, but it's <laughs>
2: like, you know. Chris, I know where you're coming from, and I, I think I have... Similar notes to the
3: mirror scene. The mirror
1: scene. Yes. I will get there because let me be clear, I loved Holden when I watched it the first time. And so when I went back, I felt betrayed.
3: I okay, I
2: so I completely agree with Ben that we don't have enough of Holden to judge him, but The way he's presented to the audience in certain ways makes me feel like, why do you want me to think he's such a great guy when he's literally just being a decent human being?
1: That's that's how I feel. And so TJ, since you're new to the podcast, Chip is the boyfriend from Jennifer's body. I thought so. Problem. Oh, he's he's
4: such a chip.
1: He is such a chip because he is like trying to be rewarded for being just barely decent. And let's be clear. Not as decent as I remembered him being. <laughs> you
0: know what? Let me uh, let me take issue with this, not because uh, I have any love for Holden, but uh, Dana is the chip of Final Girls. Like Whoa. there's no oh,
1: that is this... so meta I can't even deal.
0: Yeah, that is. <laughs> this is gonna come up when we get later in this. There, there's I have no there to... there for Dan. I actually
1: like... I also have that same note. But the reason why hold it as a chip. Hold on. We're just gonna <laughs> can we jump to the mirror scene because I don't know how else to discuss this. I guess we, we have we... more stuff to happen. Yeah, first.
4: let's so let's uh let's go get through some yeah yeah let's plot
2: here.
1: Plot. Okay.
2: What <laughs> do you guys think of Marty?
1: I love Marty, I would die for Marty.
0: <laughs> I think Marty is Joss Whedon.
1: Oh no, uh, I take it back, I take it back.
4: <laughs> They're all Joss back. Whedon. But In I general, I like Marty up until he becomes like a kind of like complete nihilist at the end and I also wish he wasn't the actual protagonist.
0: Yeah. I
3: actually
1: liked I, him, but okay.
0: I, I like Marty up until Marty quote dies and then when Marty shows back up, I don't like Marty anymore. Um, but we'll get to that. Uh,
4: yes. Just, so
1: Mar- Marty was had big shaggy energy, and <laughs> oh, yeah. the Scooby and May just wanted him to be wonderful.
4: I like Marty. My problem with Marty is that he had a lot of the agency that I think Dana should have had.
1: I agree. So I don't think yeah. that's a problem with yeah. Marty. <coughs> just yeah. Whedon is the problem.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean,
2: yeah. If any of you want a coffee mug slash bong, you can buy those
4: online now. I have bought it. It does not work. <laughs> <laughs> like apparently, zombies so apparently, like this zombies. original
0: one was like a functional thermos and bong and cost them six thousand bucks to make.
4: Um, yeah, this okay. one, the one online is not six thousand dollars. It is not like air sealed. It is light. It is fall apart. Don't buy it, stoners of the power loving
3: stoners <laughs> you, of the internet. Can you
1: can you not fight zombies with it?
4: <laughs> no, honestly, it would it would crumble. Like you could not. It is like it's as, you know, those like Toys R Us like plastic lightsabers. Oh. It's as useful as that.
3: Aww. Well, I yeah, hope so,
2: Frank Kranz got to keep his bomb.
0: Yeah, so, <laughs> yes. so, Marty, who's $600. played by Frank Kranz, uh, which, if if you watch Dollhouse, he is uh, one of the, the regulars on there. Uh.
2: Um, So good on Dollhouse.
0: Yeah. Is he also
1: a stoner on Dollhouse?
0: uh, No, he is a tech guy.
2: He uses the same type of voice. The voice he uses in this and Dollhouse is not his normal speaking voice. Oh,
1: really? I'm going to have to go listen then because I can't imagine. He's much
4: more breathy. and He just sounds very different in real life. So fun fact about uh, Frank Kranz in this movie, when they are at the lake and they're doing the whole like everyone shirtless swimming scene, uh-huh. uh, they make uh, Frank Kranz like keep on his t-shirt because they needed to hide that he was also just as ripped as Yes! That's so as funny! A hot bod. Yes.
2: They oh, show it on Dollhouse
4: like once. They had to hide his hot bod. They did. They're like, this, we can't have the stoner be just as hot. Like, we gotta put you in oversized t-shirts. That's yeah. So he
0: sad. could be the cheaty of this movie, but they opt not to let him be.
4: Ooh, Honestly, okay. Gigi taking off his shirt—one of the top five greatest plot twists of all time. Honestly, <laughs> I agree. Um,
0: so they—they they all. So we have all five characters now. They jump into the uh, the camper and head off to uh, the the house of Kurt's cousin, which is out in the middle of the woods somewhere. Uh, the the next place we see them at is the creepy gas station, which is a real standby of. Uh, of old horror movies where they they meet a creepy guy who seems to be uh i don't know he's he's homophobic he's racist he's uh sexist, sexist. Uh, just just generally bad um and also very as as marty points out very bad at running a business
3: um <laughs> <laughs> which i love
2: there is yeah. a line leading up to the gas station in the van where, again, very on the nose with the themes. Marty's like, society needs to crumble. We're just too afraid to lit it. And Ugh. by the end of the movie, you're like, okay,
3: we get <laughs> I it guess now. I so. Yep. This is that clearly is a
0: movie written by two guys whose projects had just fallen through.
4: Yep. <laughs> I did really enjoy Mordecai just for that just for how classic a trope that is.
1: I, I loved him for the phone call that comes immediately after,
3: which was oh. the funniest thing. <coughs> yeah, and that's where we parts. get
4: and that's really where we get that fantastic meets mundane, is where it's yeah. like, if you're gonna go all the way that this is all like a government setup and
1: they're just well, making fun of him being so creepy and they're like we have to
4: work with this guy.
2: And the fact that no one wants to take that call and like it's so <laughs> relatable just to anyone who's ever worked in mm-hmm. customer service. Like
4: the creepy dude from pet cemetery has to actually deal with like workers. Like that's just that. such a great comedic concept.
1: It's so funny and he gets so mad about being on the speaker. It's so good. <laughs>
2: I love the bike on the back of the van. It's, it's like so in your face, and then you actually get a payoff for it later. Like,
4: yeah. Again, Bradley Woodford and Richard Jenkins' character—they're not great people, but I could watch them banter and fuck with people for hours. Hundred
1: yeah. percent.
2: He goes. He will also answer to Honey Toes. I love <laughs> that line.
1: <laughs> that is good.
0: Yeah, th- and that, like you said, that is uh, absolutely Chekhov's motocross bike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's introduced at the point that the motocross bike is introduced somebody will have to jump over something i
1: feel like we need to make a comprehensive list of all of the Chekhov's devices in these movies because they have been wild so far <laughs>
3: yeah, i mean we've got bike the, is maybe we've my got favorite, the chekhov's
4: motorbike the chekhov's jesus star jesus star
0: yeah, this is also, um, they also have to drive through a cave to get there. We see the camper go through the cave. And then we mm-hmm. follow a CGI eagle, which I was like, man, why is this here? Until the CGI eagle hits a CGI force field and dies. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, I don't remember this being like this set at the beginning. Me
4: either. Yeah, like I, for some reason I thought it was a real like mid-movie twist. And I remember really being isn't. real
0: shocked when I do this too.
1: comes in later. But I apparently, think, it happened so much earlier than I thought.
4: I want to say it was in the
2: trailer, but I could be making that up.
1: It's possible I didn't just didn't notice it. <laughs> I will say also, as the was formerly a church kid member of this group, I gotta point out that they play switchfoot in the scene, and it was mm. not comfortable for me. <laughs> I was like, I'm 15 again. I'm at church camp. It's not good. <laughs> Switch. That was the real horror of that
4: episode. A weird amount of popular rock in the 2000s was like Christian rock, and I, I feel like that says a lot about what was going on in Creed early mid 2000s. Five
0: Iron but... Frenzy and
1: oh, stop! Much horror in one movie. Okay, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then we see the cabin for the first time, and supposedly they tried to make it look as close to the cabin from evil dead that's what i thought
1: okay i'm glad to hear it that had this. big exactly evil dead like vibes I, yeah, absolutely. I feel like i hadn't seen evil dead when i watched this the first time but i've seen it since then
4: right I'm bruce completely. campbell is the best final girl he
1: is the best <laughs> final girl i love him so much
4: well the evil dead series especially evil dead 2 is that I feel like no other horror franchise has a protagonist that just responds to every problem with like, Well, time for like ludicrous amounts of violence to solve all my problems.
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's a twenty twenty mood. <laughs>
0: it's 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 him and the girl from you're next. Like
4: there are periods of Evil Dead two where I honestly go like, Are Bruce Campbell and the house friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: did, you, did you guys watch Evil uh, Ash versus Evil Dead? Oh,
4: I saw the first two seasons. Seen a couple
2: episodes. It is so good. I love it, it. it.
0: Okay, so this is this is where we get to. They they get in the house. They split up. They take different rooms. Um, this is where we get the the mirror scene where Holden notices there is a uh, <laughs> freaky painting on the wall and immediately tries to take it down, only to notice that there is a two way mirror into um, into Dana's room and uh, Dana begins to get undressed and Holden almost doesn't say anything and then does say something at the last minute. That, and uh, then uh, brags
1: mentioned. about it. <laughs> yeah,
4: was not... And then wants credit. It,
1: so I don't, to be fair, you're right. There's not a lot of Holden to be mad at. So am I mad at Holden or am I mad at myself for watching it the first time and thinking he was a good guy? <laughs> I think
2: you're mad at the writers for trying, to, being so lazy and expecting us to pat him on the back.
4: Yeah. They I just, expect us to applaud him like for doing the bare minimum and then agree with him that he does deserve applause for doing the bare right. minimum.
1: There is a joke going around TikTok right now. And it's like, name the three guys if, in movies you would trust to hold your drink. And for a while there, I was getting worried that my bar was that low as far as male characters in movies. And then I met him and I was like, okay, my bar is just a little higher. I'm glad to know.
2: And Dana says, thanks for being decent. And I'm like, girl, you deserve more than decent and yes. a gross professor.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. This poor woman, <laughs> she's had no luck.
2: Yeah.
0: This is also like the the weird thing to me with this is Holden agrees to like actually puts the idea forward to switch rooms with her um, so that, you know, she can see into his room instead of him being uh-huh. able to see into her room. Uh, which is, which seems great until he walks into that room and immediately starts undressing yes. in front of in the front mirror. in front
3: of it, yes. facing
2: like, it. He like, does not even
4: hesitate.
2: Like, no, oh, okay, the I of, see why you
3: rooms.
4: And Chris, for the record, there are several male characters I would like to hold my drink, and they are all played by Nathan Lane. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did, we, did Holden want her to see him? Was he yes. like trying to seduce why, her? Why would Holden he not- was putting on a show...
1: He is an exhibitionist. They never
4: address they it in the movie. It.
0: But like, he it is really.
1: <laughs> TJ was like, but could he have a little more?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not like he does. It's not like he just takes his shirt off and changes shirts or whatever. Oh, he's like, like he's biting, biting his
1: lip. He is like, he, is, he knows she's watching.
4: It is fun. Uh, i too sexy for my shirt. He sets up a
0: pole. <laughs> he spins around it a few times. Okay,
1: um. if that had been what would happen, that would have probably <laughs> made it better.
0: That's the that's the Damon or that's the Wayne Brothers version of this scene. He just goes in there and you know sets up a pole and, and dances around it. Um. Now, the only
4: other thing I want to say is that in the version of this universe where we get like a TV show like mm-hmm. out of it, a C plot of one episode is definitely them going to like a creepy farmers market having to find the creepy photos to decorate the cabin, like paintings to decorate the cabin with.
1: <laughs> that would be
4: amazing. <laughs>
0: I think those are made in house. I think there's there's somebody in this uh, this, this, run, that this organization. Paints.
4: This organization has an in house art department.
2: Yeah, that's,
1: that's what that intern does.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and mm-hmm. the intern is also from Buffy. He played Angel, or sorry, he played Andrew. I was
4: gonna say he did not mm. play Angel. This yeah, is like,
1: one thing I I'm
2: know. Like, yeah, I'm like, I know. I do
4: not. Rem- I feel like I would have recognized David Boreanaz. <laughs> I was like,
1: David Boreanaz was secretly an intern. <laughs>
2: no. Andrew was the obviously gay, but didn't know he was gay character. Now what
4: would have been great is if they had David Boreanaz as like the pinhead hellraiser demon. Like that uh, would have been a great David Boreanaz cameo. Oh, David I would
0: have Boreanaz. loved the Nathan Fillion right there, and that would have been Nathan Fillion as as uh, the the pinhead type character. Would have been.
4: I'm still mad Fillion. we haven't gotten canonical Nathan Fillion as Simon Williams Wonder Man because that is perfect casting. <laughs> it is
2: so can we agree that joss whedon wrote this scene
1: 100 yeah, yes There's, there is no way he like when you said they agreed to split it up he screamed give me the mirror oh, yeah. screen and i want to
2: say the scene right after this one when it goes back to uh the agency uh amy Acker comes in and she says something about giving one of the cabin people something orally and he goes uh ask me that again but slower and oh like, yeah
1: i wrote down <laughs> casual sexual harassment yeah
2: i
0: was gonna say this scene seems very much like joss whedon wrote this one as well because this is also the scene where we introduce truman who um is there to be a useless moral compass <laughs> yep oh, no. is there to stand in the background and go is this right and then have explained to him why it's right in terms that are clearly not right and then for him <laughs> to do nothing about it and then die without doing anything about it. Like, yep. what is yeah. the point of Truman other than somebody to give exposition to? Because, like, we yeah. established that everybody else there has been through this a few times. That that's, it, is, that's
4: his only point. 100%. The, the, is that exposition delivered, to. And...
1: And just look disappointed the whole time. But, like, and, why? You signed up for this. Yeah,
4: and this is the second black
0: guy. Both, yep. both Truman and Holden are the black guys in this movie, and both of them have nothing going nothing. on so, no personality
4: they're the most, it's the, they're so boring and it's not the actors that they are just like are
3: they're
1: really trying and you can yeah. see they are like especially i feel like truman was really putting a lot into the fact that he had five lines but he really did put a lot in those lines Like
4: i bet jesse williams is like kicking ass week after week on gray's anatomy but mm-hmm. this movie gives him nothing is that mm-hmm.
1: what he's from okay
4: Yes, That's he's been on Grey's Anatomy for, like, wow, about, like, a decade now. <laughs> also, he also he was in Detroit Become Human. So make <laughs> of that what you will. So do
2: you guys think it was an intentional thing to make Truman a person of color? Because to me, I I was reading it as, like, all these white people playing God, and then we have this person of color being, like, hey – maybe you shouldn't be doing this.
1: That would have been so smart, but I feel like it's accidental. No, I, I, I
0: think did, it's yeah, absolutely I don't, on purpose. And I, the, I would actually, it would be great if what he said was, hey, do you think you should be doing this? Uh, rather than going, hmm.
1: <laughs> Fair. Hmm. Yeah. Like
0: he, he doesn't like say, hey, you guys shouldn't be doing this. He just says, hmm,
4: this seems like a bad thing. This has a big oh, the anonymous person who's against Trump was the like chief of staff to the child separation policy. Great, yeah. good job, you're a real hero. And it's big Truman energy. Truman reminds me
2: of, Jeremy, you've also seen Dalhouse. There's a black character in the main cast in Dalhouse who is very much the same mm-hmm. archetype of being mm-hmm. the, the loner, silent and judging everyone because he's more moral. Um, So I don't know if that's a Joss Whedon.
1: Wait a second. Is that not also Shepard's role in Firefly?
2: You're correct. So this might be a (laughs) Joss Whedon archetype.
1: (laughs) Have we discovered a trend?
2: (laughs) It's almost
0: like maybe Joss Whedon has people of color asking him, do you realize what you're doing
4: on a regular basis?
1: He's like that's that's what people say. To I mean, me. I don't understand. we know Ray,
4: we know Ray Fisher certainly did. Too <laughs> <Yikes. Yikes. sighs> was that one too real? Was that one too, Was that one a little too? Uh, <laughs> too close uh, to the bone I, was this that one? Like was that one a little too pending pending ongoing investigation? <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know, question
4: mark? Question mark?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, this is also though where we get Lynn, who is Amy Acker's character, who is Doctor saved
1: Scientist, totally by the
0: fact that she is Amy Acker.
1: <laughs> Doctor Scientist too.
0: Yes. A, sequel. I guess a sequel. She's in chemicals. What chemicals? Hmm.
1: Just chemicals in the same way that Dr. Scientist from Purge was in
3: behavior science.
0: Yeah, we put stuff in Jules' hair dye to hurt her cognitive function. Which, um, what stuff? I don't know. Like, this yeah, deal... Yeah. Her, her character deals in non-specifics pretty much are, all the way through. They're
4: just magic yeah, Like gases that just change your personality. <laughs> right? You can like, tell how great of a character Jules
2: is because she's the only one we didn't actually go into at the beginning of this. Um, and I think that's interesting because she... Yes. Obviously, she has nothing going for her as a character. But she is <laughs> the blonde, archetype, small, female character. And Joss Whedon is known for giving that archetype strength um you know wow. the Buffy character but none of that is here yeah yeah and it would have made I
4: do like sense her. and it honestly would have made sense for kind of would have made more sense for Jules to be the character to kind of break out of this Ready? role she's been forced into
0: but that so would imply that somebody breaks out of one of the rules they're forced into which nobody does
1: nobody so oh, totally good it would have been, and I, she was way more likable than Dana, which I don't think is a factor of the actress at all. Uh, I mean,
4: you don't like nothing. Dana?
1: I don't like Dana.
4: I no, Dana is a nothing. No, oh, Dana. Dana, I like I like the charm the actress brings.
1: I think she's fine. I'm sure she's doing great. That's all I, I could
3: say about. I
4: her. thought that actress <laughs> as I thought that actress did a good job as like a traditional like, like a scream queen. I'm like, Ooh, what a good like you are a really good like yes. girl actress. But in this movie that is this whole like deconstruction yeah. meta, I'm like, Dana just was not the protagonist this the story
1: needed. The only thing about her character that's deconstructed, the only thing is that she's not a virgin. And that's it
4: there's a line in the movie where yep. Bradley Whitford says, like i'm all, I'm all kind of rooting for this one. She's got so much heart. and I right. and I went and I went to the screen I'm like, really? I wrote down, does she? I'm like, Chris He's fairly like, good at not dying. Hey, I, I have a gift from a different Chris Hemsworth movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about people with actual heart. poor Kurt before he was drugged.
4: Oh. Kurt was pure himbo before they got to him. But he wasn't because he was and actually he was smart. Smart. That's right. He <laughs> Don't was just forget. A, he, he was, was just an, a sexy gentleman. He was just a
1: <laughs> sexy, sexy man. And he he was drugged into himbo and then went straight into just awful. Um, but to begin with, he was just a smart, sexy man.
4: This movie does do a good job of not beat of like letting you know who they originally are and who they're supposed to be without like beating you over the head with it to the yeah. point where it was definitely something like i didn't fully catch on the first time and i was just like yeah. kind of going and like accepting like again the roles they were forced into and then on and then really on the rewatch that i really able to go like oh wow they lay out exactly how these people are being changed and who they're supposed to be like they yeah. I'm um, like the virgin is introduced talking about having slept with her married professor. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, Jules's pre-med, like, the nerd is shown catching footballs being thrown out of windows. <laughs> like, they really do a good job, like, and again, in terms of the magic chemistry, like, guys, this is from the chem department that changes personalities. <laughs> no explanation for how they manage to, like, mess with Holden's vision and have him, <laughs> and have him be like right. i can calculate differentials in my head thanks to smart gas
1: that's amazing i would have loved he was given the limitless drug apparently
4: they don't <laughs> even give a one-off like no. techno babble explanation for that They're they just barely
1: like, do any at all to be fair <laughs>
4: Like what ga- like at one point they're like we should stick together. Uh-oh, hit them with the split up
3: gas.
1: <laughs> that one is the funniest. Absolutely. I also love the pheromones. Do you do you all remember that brief period of time where you could buy pheromone like perfume and cologne mm. on Amazon?
4: Uh that was straight out of like <laughs> Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy from Batman and Robin. It's
1: so funny. It's so it, it's so inaccurate. I, I hate to be the one that like push up my glasses and be like, that that makes no sense, but it doesn't.
4: No. <laughs> Do you mean to tell me there's not magical fuck gas that that's not <laughs> scientific fact?
1: We keep that secret. It's in the lockbox.
4: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's toss- in the lockbox
0: behind the counter at the grocery store. And you always have the horny goat weed and the whatever else <laughs> there. Anyone
4: ever actually bought it? You like there's like I feel like that's a horror film right there. Someone actually finally buys like the horny pills they keep at like the sketchy gas station. They've been there for 20 years. And then it's oh. like, oh, no, a demon was inside this.
1: <laughs> and it makes you exactly like Kurt from The Cabin in the Woods, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, my. The, well, this is also the scene where we get uh, the phone call with Mordecai, which is we mentioned earlier. Uh, there's not much too much more to say about it other than it's hilarious.
4: It's,
3: yeah, it's great. It's so funny. Yeah.
0: He is the, I forget what they call him, the harbinger. So, yes. like, his job yeah. is literally to stand there at the gas station and, and make people going through to the cabin want to turn around and go away but because it's a ritual those those people never do they never do in the movies and they don't in this either
4: <laughs> yeah so, i like i think what they said like they have to be given the choice, like they have to explicitly have to ignore the choice yeah. to walk away
0: yeah this is another part where truman starts asking questions and then not having any responses yeah. to the answers also where, if you
4: want a oh sorry
0: yeah he, he says you know that in order to in order to start the ritual they have to transgress somebody has to do something wrong to be killed they have to you know trespass in some way uh in order to to set themselves up to be part of this horror movie that is unfolding
3: yeah the
2: phone call is so funny I, my favorite part is the last line of the conversation where they're all just losing it and hadley goes what
1: happens next
2: and his
4: voice is just so high it gets
1: me <laughs> It is such a good
4: scene. If you want, like another movie that does a that has a lot of fun playing around with like the creepy guy at the gas station they run into on their way to the cabin. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, where the creepy person at the gas station is the main character. Oh, I <laughs> love that. It's, and it's all just like a hilarious misunderstanding. Oh, if you've never seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil, it. like it is especially an absolute deconstruction of like the creepy murder redneck in the woods movie mm-hmm. where the creepy rednecks are actually just really innocent good guys who have no Aww. idea why people, why this is all happening around them. I love it. As, every, like, as everyone thinks. Just
0: normal did. rednecks.
4: Yeah, no, it's, it's these like teenagers confusing these horrible accidents for like murder rednecks and horror movie stuff.
3: Amazing. That's so So it's so funny. them
4: thinking they're in a horror movie and these two rednecks just trying to fix up their new vacation home.
1: <laughs> all right, I'm here for it sign it's, me
4: up and yeah, it's, it's um good. actually another um josh alum uh alan Tudyk is one of the leads
1: <gasps> okay i'm double signed up i, I like- don't know
0: i don't know who thought of putting Alan Tudyk in that role it was like you know alan Tudyk <laughs> would make a great american redneck
4: <laughs> he's great he's like, he's great in it though like he's so much fun
2: cabin in the woods it's so there's two different there's the a plot and the b plot they're extremely different can you guys imagine this movie as like just the slasher horror one and then at the end we get the reveal of here's what was really happening this whole time or do you think we needed the b plot
1: that would have been m night Shyamalan. (laughs) i feel like we would have it would have felt cheap if we didn't have all of this it
4: is. i yeah I feel like you might have had like you might have had a bigger impact on people the first time they see it but uh-huh. once that first time is done like I feel like all the impact is gone yeah, yeah. this is here where there's enough running through and enough world building that it kind of keeps hitting you in different ways on rewatches
1: I feel right. like if you did more of the uh, the other plot actually I, yeah I could have used the percentage to be split differently but...
0: Yeah, I feel like if you did that version of it, you would need to have more prelude. You'd need to see more of them being their normal selves. Because yeah. in this one, it's like they are them their normal selves. And then you have the B plot informing, hey, they're they're being intentionally manipulated. Uh, and then like you're looking for that in the next scene and yeah. you're
3: like, oh well, they are different. I feel
4: you know? I feel like the version of this where it is much more of like a big swerve and surprise. I would have to focus more on that horror of your identity yeah. being abused and yeah i was gonna sacrifice. say it like be funny because
1: yeah. they're not the really the, they are not driving what's humorous about this movie most of the time like they get some funny lines but most of the humor is driven by the b, b- plot so it would definitely be much more of a straight horror movie
4: yeah like i would have to be like you know you start with like the creepy like like the eye family and then like you know you're looking you're watching it's like wait a minute hold on like they just defeated all the zombies and they're still like full like there's still like 35 minutes left in this movie what the fuck's going on
2: and i completely agree with everything you guys just said i just i wanted to hear your takes on it of like how it would have been different
4: there's definitely a way to do it but i think you it you don't get that spoopy funness like it definitely has to lean much more into psychological horror Mm
0: -hmm. yeah I think, speaking of the way the A plot and B plot interact, I think this next scene is my favorite version of that, which is, like, they start out with the Truth or Dare game. And, um, oh, yeah. I mean, first, I guess there's weird Jules dancing stuff or or whatever. But the, the Truth or Dare game is, is where it comes to a head. First, you have Jules making out with the wolf, which is a real weird bit.
3: Woof um, that scene. Or is it a
0: moose? Yeah, that's another one that there is, like, weird stuff in trivia about that apparently they had to put, like, sugar on that wolf's tongue so that it would not bother that actress quite so much when she was doing it.
2: Ew. Would
3: like you guys awful. make out with,
2: with a moose head or a wolf head?
1: <laughs> Are you high right now?
2: <laughs> no.
1: Um. No, but I also am very dare-averse, so...
0: I mean, the question I guess is, would you prefer to make out with a moose head or a wolf head, uh, <laughs> given the choice? This movie invented
4: furries. I'd make out <laughs> with a wolf head. I mean, if, it, if it's a dare, like it's what the game is. Yeah, you make out with the wolf. No. Especially if it's got a sugar tongue.
1: A <laughs> sugar tongue.
4: Did
2: Joss <laughs> Whedon write this scene? Yes. Absolutely.
1: Did I mean, anyone there, else there's think
0: a whole like the, chunk of description of how she's making out with the wolf in the script. I'm sure.
4: Oh. Does anyone else think that Drew Goddard, just based on what is clearly Joss Whedon, then what Drew Goddard was more interested in was more of the traditional like horror stuff, like slasher elements.
1: Probably. Because
4: again, like there is like, a, like the sl- actual slasher bits don't feel like oh we're just phoning it in or having fun. It yeah. feels like. Like this is a legitimately like scary slasher situation that's going on.
1: But if Joe Goddard is uh, you know, doing good place, then he has a real eye for meta. So he might have been involved in the B plot too.
0: Yeah, I that's mean, based true. on the based on stuff of his from the good place, I would say he probably wrote this next scene and the B plot scene that goes with it, which is where they wander into the basement full of weird shit. This
3: and is and then my favorite. Yes. I and then In I wish the
0: B plot, they're taking bets on what piece of weird shit they're going to mess with first that will summon a monster. Oh. Because,
3: ben, my
1: notes oh my are God. we have to talk about Aquaman.
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, this honestly is one of my, I think you're right, Joe. This is one of the best scenes in the movie.
1: 100%. Also, For sure.
4: Given I, with all the monsters they have, and I know that's impossible because that's not how time works. But just given how Bradley Woodford's career has gone, I love thinking that Bradley Woodford's character in Get Out would be one of the monsters that Bradley Woodford would have. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: I love it so much. Okay, so the important question being then, are you glad it was the zombie redneck torture family? Or would no. you have rather see seen the other things?
2: Uh, I, I So I love that there's so much detail into everything in the basement and that they actually exactly. correspond to everything on the whiteboard. Um, and yes. I would have loved to have seen something a little bit more with, um, I don't know, just something different with more vibrant, maybe something. You can like say it. That. Say
3: mermaids.
2: <laughs> the mermaid, <laughs> the merman was so corny and i love it I whereas we laughing. get this typical it
4: like, was such a great running joke that had such a perfect payoff it really did. uh in terms yeah. of, again like they tried to make the ca- whole cabin look like, as close to the evil dead house um and you know for the most on so like again all the enemies and especially the way it infected the objects was green evil dead too but uh you know who is the enemy in evil who what was the monster in evil dead like oh, really strong zombies. What was the enemy here? Like, really strong zombies. So there's not, so I think, you know, there's that element of like, oh, we're going to keep paying homage to it versus like, eh, you didn't, you could have mixed it up a little bit more. I would have right. liked to have seen like the puzzle ball, like, mo- hell pinhead monster. Yes. He <laughs> was great. Oh, intimidating And scary. And I think, it would have been cool to see more of him or the unicorn
1: the unicorn okay <laughs> i also wrote down i wanted it to be the unicorn the magical like fairy music that plays behind the unicorn that's so happy <laughs> and then it just stabs a guy in the chest i love it
4: this I is wish- why y'all need to my only problem the only reason i'm glad i did it wasn't the unicorn was because i feel like i already saw like what the unicorn version would be, and it's the season four premiere of Legends of Tomorrow.
3: I need to watch Legends of Tomorrow. So I did kind. see that. It's
4: the one. It's the episode where they go back to a Woodstock to Woodstock because a unicorn is stabbing and eating hippies' hearts.
3: <laughs>
1: Amazing.
4: My question is, if they would have picked anything
2: besides what they ended up getting, how? it's on that particular one because they find the black room at one point which is specifically noted in the diary
4: um and the paintings like that's such a
1: good point yeah would the house have changed
4: yeah it's like what would the explanation have been for like oh why is ballerina girl in this like (laughs) weird cabin
1: right there's no
4: ballerina school here weird girl
1: I would love to see the scenario in which there's like a revolving uh, thing under the house also so the basement
3: switches. Like,
2: I think it was just a matter of the writers didn't...
4: Again, what if he um... had picked the merman? Is that thing just flopping around? He would have got
3: them in the
1: lake! (laughs) I'm telling you it would have been so much better. And the
4: merman is so slow like how would would he have killed
2: them
3: all? Slow.
1: Hey, Michael Myers has killed many a person without ever breaking a sweat. It's possible.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely like I'm I'm fine with the idea that, uh, you know, the house probably changes based on what they do. That'd be very cool. Because, yeah, it's, you know, I, I think that is consistent with the rest of the movie. Now, there is something that I need to correct you guys about because you keep saying uh, that pinhead guy or the guy with the puzzle ball. Uh, his name, as noted in the credits, is Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain. <gasps>
4: Okay, I it doubled, I am doubling down on my answer. Yeah. We
1: were robbed. Du-
4: yep. <laughs> Absolutely doubling down on it. Should have been Fornicus. That's my also face. my BDSM name.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> my face right now. I can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I literally I was watching the credits and was about like I was only halfway paying attention and it got to the bottom and it was like a really long name. And I was like was that? (laughs) I scrolled back up and I was like, oh. Oh, fornicus lord of bondage and pain. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a party. It's a a fun dude. But yeah, that
2: was...
1: Oh man, now I'm extra sad (laughs) about the zombie redneck torture family.
2: (laughs) So I do think, Jeremy, I think Drew Goddard wrote this particular part, Mm -hmm. but I know for a fact that Joss Whedon wrote the Husband Bulge diary. (laughs)
3: Oh, <laughs> oh, of and oh. it,
2: it, I could be making this up because I've read this so long ago but I'm fairly certain I remember that Joss Whedon went out of his way to say oh I've got this and, and took it went in another room typed it up in like five oh. minutes and came back out and was like I got it
4: I don't like that this apparently came so easy to him
1: Oh, don't say Katie. Exactly. Easy. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, that's my point. Is like, why did
2: you want to write this? And like,
1: and the answer is Joss Whedon. <laughs>
4: Was husband bulge like did he come up with it for this scene, or did he have that rolling around in his head for years? I think like, he he's like, up. finally, I've got finally <laughs> okay. The but place it's, for this. it sounds like I a line it. of
1: dialogue from Firefly, and you can't disagree with me. Someone would have called it a husband bulge in that uh, show, also. Mm. So,
4: oh, wait, I can tell you the exact episode that would have been in the <laughs> first episode with Christina Hendricks,
1: right? Right, 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 exactly. A hundred percent. Ugh. Ugh.
4: Mm. uh.
1: It. Maybe maybe it society should crumble, I, you know? <laughs> maybe Marty has a point.
2: Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Dana's the first one to act on the weird shit. Uh, everybody else is about to trigger something else. Dana uh, flips open the diary of the Buckner family and uh, reads reads several pages of this, including something about... Somebody getting a husband to bulge from torturing somebody. Nope. And uh, yeah, we are, are introduced to our undead, pain-worshipping zombie fam- zombie redneck family, who are you know resurrected, resurrected in quotation marks, from you know their their graves out in the forest and begin their their slow trek through the forest because they are traditional slow-moving zombies.
1: I do love the bit where they go back to the betting and everybody's all upset because this is the the people that keep winning. Um,
0: yep. Maintenance. They always use the same person.
1: But Ronald
2: the intern also won.
1: Go ahead, Ronald. <laughs> We're rooting for you.
0: Yeah, although apparently David he's Cornels. not eligible for bonuses because he's an intern. Uh, um, no, for overtime. For overtime, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, so the the Buckner family no is... Benefits. I think this that's is a, also...
4: You know um, what, that's horror is the lack of benefits for Ronald.
0: (laughs) Yeah, interning, is that's real horror. Uh, Especially since I'm sure you can't put this place on your resume.
4: Did we see Ronald die? Did we get... Like, I don't think we ever got to see, like, which monster did him in. He was stuck in
2: a room on one of the video cameras in the background.
1: Oh, that's so sad. I can't remember.
2: I don't remember who he was stuck
1: with. Oh, was he the one that gets strangled with a bag over his head? Because
2: he might He have... No, I want to say... I, again I don't want to say for sure. He might have had like a sign he was holding up.
1: Oh yeah, I saw the side. Okay.
2: Maybe not. It might not have been him, but I'm pretty sure he's on one of those
4: screens.
1: I got you. There's
4: yeah. There's a lot I happening. Really, I meant to
1: go back and screenshot it's it. A, it but
4: it's I a I very think. visually dense scene once you get to uh, the end. It is.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot going on at the end of this movie. See, we, we have the zombie family. We we learn uh during this whole bit that's going on, the the bit I alluded to. In uh, in the B plot is that they're all taking bets on what car- what thing they'll summon. Uh, now that this thing has been summoned, Bradley Whitford is very uh, is very put out that he does not get to see mermaids because nobody ever gets mermaids. Same. Kurt literally had the uh, the conch shell in his hand; it didn't blow in it.
4: Time travel. So uh, Bradley blessed. Whitford would later appear would later <laughs> be in Shape of Water.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he got to see mermaids. <laughs>
0: I think this is also where we establish that they've talked a little bit about the other teams in other countries um yeah. doing stuff. I think this is the first time we see the monitors where uh I think it's just down it might be just down to the US and Japan by this point.
1: It um, is, yeah. They're already down to just Japan. And this yeah. is where we get I don't remember which one is in the scene, but this is where we get one of of every time they mention the Japanese team, a racist joke.
0: The the Japanese team is is doing a sort of elementary school kid ring thing um you got a like floating girl and uh, a bunch of children in a classroom being attacked by this floating
2: girl and they have a perfect record so there's nothing to worry about
1: right did anyone clock what the other horror scenarios were because i was trying really hard to see what was happening in any of the other ones
0: i think there's one in brazil that looked like king kong there
4: was a giant ape of some sort Oh, so, I'm um, sorry, I was wrong. It was Richard Jenkins who's in Shape of Water, not Bradley Whitford. Oh, no, he doesn't get mermaids.
1: Up. Take it no, back. No,
4: Richard Jenkins gets <laughs> mermaids.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I was so happy for him for a second.
2: Oh, that is him, isn't it? Oh. So yeah, Buenos
0: Aires is King Kong. Stockholm seems to be a, a the thing thing going on. <laughs> and oh, Madrid is some kind of vampires. Maybe Dracula. I don't know. Because I was, I was trying to jot all this down as I was saying it. Cause I
1: was also trying, but I could not clock it as it was happening so quickly.
0: Yeah, you get just a quick scan across the other cameras, other than which, Kyoto, which, you know, they're
4: they very... had to be some sort of commentary on like the horror film lands, the international horror film landscape.
1: I All I got out of it was that Japanese horror movies are scary. I don't know what else commentary there was.
0: I mean... I feel like Japanese horror movies, uh, the horror frequently happens to children, um,
3: there.
0: I think is is a big thing there. having I mean, watched Haosu recently. Uh, it <laughs> happens to children a lot. Um, Stockholm, I mean, they're, they're doing a, like it's a very separate scenario of like isolated place out in the middle of, you know, the wasteland where you can't contact anybody. Okay. And then I guess, you know, Buenos Aires is, it's some sort of big monster
4: thing. It was a minotaur something, a minotaur or something.
1: (laughs) That would be amazing.
3: Right? Mm -hmm. I do
4: want to see the movie. I do kind of want to see the Japanese team version of this movie where these little girls have to defeat, like, the way-
3: I know, (laughs) it (laughs) ends so wholesome.
1: That scenario ends so nicely.
4: (laughs) Except they all die.
1: Yeah, because, of course, ultimately. Yes,
4: they do all die literally minutes later. But But they
1: made it, you know? They got their moment.
4: Like the spirit gets to live in Happy
0: Frog, that's all that matters. <laughs> but uh, then, so as soon as they come out of the basement, we we break off curtain jewels, run off into the woods. Uh, we
1: skip the lake scene, so I feel like we skip the lake scene, and we can't do that because it has the best line in the movie in it, which is "Don't kill the gorgeous man; we're endangered."
0: <laughs> yes, there there is a is a scene with them swimming around in the lake, which I think is just in the general business before the actual horror stuff kicks off. Yeah, this, that's the scene where Fran Kranz doesn't swim, because if he takes up his shirt, everybody's going to be, Just be like, know how ripped he is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no one, ever will be so distracted.
0: Just... <laughs> He's be like, wow, the nerd is
4: ripped. What's up with that?
1: <laughs> that's a real deconstruction right there.
4: Yeah. I think Drew Goddard would return to Cheedy.
1: Yes!
4: I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's more
0: coincidence than yeah. anything. But
1: No, he was what's... holding it in. He was like, one day, I'll write this story. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I do. Uh, after Cheedy, I never again questioned uh, Clark Kent getting away with it with just like oversized clothes and a pair of glasses. Right? <laughs> like Accurate. if Cheedy was hiding like that, then it's like you know what? Fuck it. That de- good on you, Clark. That disguise works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. This is also where Marty, uh, still smoking pot, continues to. Uh, he notices that everything is off. Everybody's acting weird. Kurt is, you know, weirdly macho and pushing people around. Uh, Jules is, is super horny for no reason Sexy dancing around the place uh, Holden has suddenly grown glasses
4: um, <laughs> I love it he, he had, That's the only explanation He, is, he literally has grown glasses <laughs>
0: he grew glasses and started reading Latin He is convinced that they are being puppeteered That they're puppeteers yeah. What's the
4: What's the pheromone you pump in to teach people Latin? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: apparently he, stud- he studied some of it Like 10 years ago
1: I'm what's, telling you it's, it's the limitless drug That's what it is the only explanation.
3: Yeah, Marty, so...
2: Marty goes for some Pop-Tarts, so that's uh, <laughs> cabin in the woods food right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we, we get the the scene with Kurt and Jules in the woods where they are uh, literally being gaslighted. Um, yeah, they, so uncomfortable. Uh, you know, Kurt is trying to to convince Jules to have sex out there, and she says it's it's too cold, so they turn up the heat, and then they pump in the pheromones, and then they. They turn on, they turn up the moon, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. so it's, it's more lit in the area. And then they, they go have a, a sexy roll around in the grass.
4: Like, I know they're being, like, chemically gassed to be dumb, but I do remember thinking, like, ah, yes, this is what I also do when multiple open <laughs> bedrooms are available. <laughs> go outside to a damp, dirty forest to fuck.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, like, they turned up the moon in that section on where the, i guess they're supposed to go to have sex and uh, i was like yeah it doesn't look more inviting now it just <laughs> no. you can actually see that it's just like fucking fairy rings and- i
4: have to imagine that the rest of the year they use the Sulfur truman style like truman show style <laughs> operations
1: oh yeah what do they do the rest of the year are they just prepping like what what's happening that's a really good question
0: do they ever make clear that it's like an annual thing like yeah, i feel like yeah right is it Did annual or everything? is it like constantly doing this every
2: other week? I thought it was um, annually. It yeah, might right. maybe it was in the script.
1: No, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's annually.
2: Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, and the part where he he's like, We're all alone and then it just cuts to everyone watching them.
1: <laughs> oh, and that has another definitely Joss Whedon wrote this line of your basic human needs disgust me. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're they're all. Oh yeah, watching somebody who doesn't know that they're being watched. You know, Did you guys notice
2: that. Curtis acting like a wolf when he was going down on Jules? No. He growls uh, at her. Oh
1: gosh, that's the pheromone misc <laughs> It's what it does.
2: Either that, it or that's
4: really just that's just Chris Hemsworth.
0: Just, that's just how he does.
4: It really does speak Ooh. to Chris Hemsworth's charisma that we cared about him so much that we all agreed to pretend to care about Liam.
1: Aww, I forgot about Liam until right now.
4: <laughs> right, exactly. Like our reaction to Liam Hemsworth is like, look, yeah. if this is what we gotta do to get more of Chris, we'll pretend like we'll pretend. Like, yeah, Liam, we care about you too. Chris, I'm just be in more stuff, please.
1: Poor Liam. Liam Poor Liam's Liam. fine. He is perfectly adequate.
0: He's he's not as uh good as second ML brother,
4: but um Team Gale <laughs> all the way. No. Or Team Pita. I
1: was gonna <laughs> say I was I about know. to fight. I was gonna throw down.
4: I, I forget. Like Peta is the one that's not Liam, right? Yeah, Pita yes, is, then team yeah. Peta. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Agreed.
4: Team Team Peta bread.
1: Team Peta bread.
4: Is it the good place? Where, yeah, where she's dating the extra hemsworth brother she
1: is yes she dates the extra hemsworth brother it's the funniest bit
4: and the fictional extra hemsworth brother not the real life extra hemsworth brother who's on (laughs) westworld
3: which of of which there is yeah
4: yeah. this is the fourth
0: hemsworth (laughs) brother who's also Uh, incredibly attractive um but is not
1: inadequate because hemsworth's
0: they have sex in the woods we get gratuitous nudity
4: apparently as part of the ritual there has to be gratuitous nudity
1: Um, yes because the old ones want what they want apparently
4: and this is very much another instance of the movie trying to have its cake and eating it too this is probably the biggest
1: instance of it where it's like look we get it we're doing it but also here is it here it is that this is the thing
4: yeah i love the
2: shot of her hand getting stabbed where it just, just pans into it and i just love it
1: it's very good like as soon as the horror starts happening it gets really
3: interesting and good i think.
0: Yeah, because it does a real, like, panning out from the sex scene of, like, oh, she grabs the grass because, you know, she's having a great time. And then they just stab a knife (laughs) into her hand.
1: She's having a great time. She's having a great
0: time. That's that's what Joss Whedon calls it, having a great
1: time. (laughs) Oh, um, oh! I hate everything. Uh, nope, nope, nope. I'm gonna have to rewatch Anna and the Apocalypse twelve times
3: to make up for this, and I have you know.
0: Yeah, they. This is then the first, uh, the first use of the poorly defined bear trap attack, <laughs> uh, which is where you throw a bear oh. trap at somebody and it sticks to them, but it doesn't close, and then you don't have to reopen it because like this is. Oh. I'm not a hunter, but I did grow up in the country, and I know bear traps are are really strong. <laughs> and it takes a lot of force to like open one so it's like not
1: super easy to throw around either <laughs> i mean you
0: know that that i can forgive he's a super strong zombie but this is like it's it's like not having to reload <laughs> You know, <laughs> nobody ever it's has like to it, take the thing off of somebody,
4: and then he doesn't throw have it to in. reload
1: the bear trap. <laughs>
4: right? Like I got him says he uses a bear trap like he's scorpion from Mortal Kombat.
1: <gasps> That's exactly it,
3: one thousand percent.
4: Like if someone, if someone put on, they like get over here. Like after gouging Chris Hemsworth with a bear trap, it would fit a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a redneck, so it's gonna be like y'all come back here. <laughs>
1: That was a good Mordecai. <laughs> yeah.
0: I do live in North
4: Carolina, so
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know Wait, the, and Jules' death scene. This is like this horrifying. is straight this is a very horrifying scene.
3: It's like, yeah. She's yeah. held up and,
0: and Kurt is held up to watch her and then they uh yeah, they take her head off with like a tree saw. Then I guess they let Kurt go because he, he, he pops back up in, in uh Marty's scene. Marty is outside smoking being weirded out by how weird everything is.
1: Right, um, noticing there are no stars and saying yeah. we are abandoned.
4: Marty, we de- we specifically see Marty, like, is something's going off of Marty that, like, he is not fully buying into or, like, the, the drugs they're pumping, the chemicals they're pumping in aren't Working right with Marty,
1: right, and you like he can hear the voices because apparently they are giving verbal instructions, but nobody else notices. But he notices the verbal instructions that are happening. Which, but like, he's
4: yeah, but he's high, so he's still susceptible he's still, to them. Still does it. <laughs> yeah. Also,
0: somewhere in this bit is where we see the first of the sigils. I guess what we'll, what we'll learn later is the horror sigil. Um, where, you know, somebody yes. in the office pulls a handle and blood runs into this sigil in the, the shape of a you know archetype from horror movies.
2: Now, yeah. I want to know whose blood they're using because it, there's no way they got her blood that quickly.
1: <laughs> but I guess they just have all this, like, magic-absorbing ground that the, probably was made by Amy Acker because she does all <laughs> the making of things. Uh, of course, you know, she's Amy think, Acker. You're what, right.
4: I would not doubt. We, what did you guys think of the scene after Jules' death where we come back to like bradley woodford and richard jenkins and like in their reaction to it because i thought that it was very interesting like their reaction to it and like and how much more somber they were at this scene than anywhere else in the movie
0: Is that- yeah, they do like a little prayer thing oh, and yes.
3: like yeah.
4: to yes. me that would make it clear was like oh like they do not enjoy what they right. are doing like it's a necessity and they're coping with that necessity The best they can but at the end of the day They know this is a terrible thing And they are not enjoying seeing innocent Like and this, this is... death that they are having Yeah it's cause. like when I worked
0: for Chevron <laughs>
1: <clears throat> This is also a, a good scene Of Truman clearly going I have joined the wrong business <laughs> What is this? Yeah, Truman continuing
4: Truman. to be
0: horrified and do nothing
1: But I'm I, I, To quote BuzzFeed Unsolved I am here for the cult stuff
4: again i do think just like if you're someone again like by the rules of the world where like this is necessary if you're someone who's decided it is your responsibility to keep this going year after year for the sake of like all humanity that's one hell of uh like that'll just wreak absolute havoc on you like um psyche and i think there is enough to like fill a whole series
1: heavy as the horn-rimmed glasses on their faces
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh no I, I was just saying um that the, jumping off of what Ben said, that they're coping with humor, uh, which is super relatable. <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> the,
0: the number of times we've said 2020
4: mood in this podcast in it's just the last true. couple of weeks. A-
1: apparently horror movies are a 2020 mood. I don't know what to tell you.
4: Like The degree to which these are not you know, it isn't so, it's not hostile. These aren't cackling yeah. bad guys like gleefully rejoicing at violence. These are ostensibly normal people like you know not very good people but not like inhuman monsters these are people doing a job that again by the rules of the world like are necessary and I think there's that like you know the there is like you know so much humor but also so much horror and like the banality of that the which they approach like these horrific things they have to do
1: Yeah, there's definitely something, the the existential dread of what you can get used to, Mm -hmm. what the new normal is.
2: The more we talk, the more I'm comparing it to COVID now, because we (laughs) we have people being like, we just need to open up the country and just let the people who are going to die, die.
4: And I do think that is kind of like, to a degree, what Amy Acker's role is being like a person, the person like in between... Truman and Jenkins slash Whitford, right?
1: Because she gets to do just as many bad things, but pretend to be morally superior about it, um, which is why she's actually my least favorite in this movie. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Versus, I no, uh, I'm sorry, Holden is Holden. Yeah, is.
4: like
1: I forgot for a second.
0: After this, uh, Marty is sitting around looking up at the sky, and uh, he is about to get stabbed by the one armed zombie girl who wrote the diary, ostensibly when Kurt stumbles up and grabs him to pull him back into the cabin and shoves the one-armed zombie girl out of the way. Um, he straight-up clotheslines
1: her. Yeah. <laughs> really, he really does. I feel bad great. for the
0: little zombie girl. Like, she's Do having a rough you- time i love uh, I that
2: do. shot too be- just because you're you're expecting the little girl to do something and then kurt just comes out of nowhere
4: it's kind of funny from like almost like a sports blooper kind of way to the way it's just chris Hemsworth, just like not even intentionally like not even seeing just like turning around running and just wrecking somebody <laughs> so tiny. i
2: it's- think it says a lot about the friend group that no one assumes curtis murdered jules right away yeah. You're just like what happened like i would have been like dude what did you do to her
1: <laughs> i i'm concerned to which of our friends you would immediately ask if they murdered their partner <laughs> TJ.
2: i'm looking at you chris
3: i what, what
1: partner
2: <laughs>
4: exactly oh. <laughs> <Murdered them laughs> allegedly
2: uh,
0: okay uh chris is murdering side. Uh, Marty and Kurt run back into the house. It's busted into by the giant evil zombies, you know, led by Bear Trap Man. And uh, (laughs) who throws Jules's head at Dana. It's just the the perfect horror movie energy right there.
1: It really is. It bounces and splatters the
3: camera. (laughs) We get both.
0: Kurt is still making good decisions. He wants them all to stick together. So apparently they, (laughs) like Ben was alluding to earlier, put in some some dumbass (laughs) gas.
3: Dumbass gas! (laughs)
0: <laughs> and kurt's like you know what i was wrong let's split up and go to our rooms individually so they all go in and then they're all locked into their rooms um and as the zombies try to get in their opportunely low
2: windows
1: it's almost like this house was designed for this almost and take
2: take a drink every time marty says what the fuck
1: <laughs> you would be dead
2: yeah <laughs> you, you can't you will not survive that
1: i do love that he's like he's is this when he finds the camera? It is, yeah, right? Yeah, he, he knocks over a, a lamp
0: and finds well. that there's a camera inside of it.
1: And they're and like, don't worry about it. He'll be dead in, like, five <laughs> minutes anyway. We don't need to take care of this.
2: To be fair, reality TV
4: is a really good guess.
1: <laughs> it's very mm-hmm. close.
4: Yeah, I mean... It's fair to assume Ashton Kutcher is just gonna, like, jump out at any time.
1: <laughs> Ashton Kutcher has That's a real
0: romance. horror movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, this that's,
1: time, it's for real.
0: There, there are no... There are no zombies or equivalent that would horrify me as much as realizing I was being punked by Ashton Kutcher <laughs> on, on television. Oh, no, thank you.
2: Um, and then we get the bong, the first bong payoff here. Where he fights the zombie with it. This bong,
1: this bong does more heavy lifting in the movie than our actual final girl. Just yeah, throwing it out for, there.
0: The bong is the final girl. <laughs> the
3: bong is the final girl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and Marty eventually gets dragged out the window um, and disappears into the distance, where we see blood flying and screaming. Um, in the meantime, he's, he's totally uh,
1: dead. Totally dead. We will never see him again.
0: Yes, because people who Leo, die off-screen are definitely dead.
4: Well, for the, and again, I, just to set up just how dead he is. Let's see. He has been impaled <laughs> in the spine with a trowel. And then dragged off, and within seconds we hear multiple stab wounds. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: Presumably, it was him hacking? the song, yeah. is what we learn.
4: Yeah, which is apparently how that goes within after <laughs> mere mere seconds after being stabbed I in guess, the spine. With I guess towel. the bong
1: also is a knife.
4: <laughs> yeah, makes sense.
1: The other side of the bong is just a knife.
0: It's, it's just the that's just the name of the weed he's smoking. It's knife. <laughs> Uh,
4: yeah, yes, so yeah. spoilers for our recap. Uh not the end of Marty. Marty is not done being the protagonist of the movie.
1: Honestly. Yeah. Did you so originally, did you think he was dead?
4: I really I did. I, I did absolutely too. did. Yeah. I I'm did like see. he's been stabbed like he's been stabbed so bad. We just heard all these stabbing noises. It's like you know, it's not like they showed Jules getting her head fully cut off. Like, right?
1: Yeah, I thought but, I thought he was dead
3: too. And I yeah, feel I, like I he, he
2: got—I feel like he got his moment with the bong. So like,
4: it felt like his character had served his purpose.
3: Yeah, I um, agree.
4: But yeah. apparently not. Apparently. And when he does come back, it was definitely a big like whoa like moment. Yeah. Because I don't know. What, make sure to watch the movie before you listen to this podcast.
1: It's way too late to say that. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I mean, to be fair, this movie is like nine years
1: old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be fair, we spoil every movie. I don't. We do. Like, if you've listened this far, you know that.
0: So yeah, this is where Dana is also about to be dragged out the window by zombies, uh, when uh, Holden saves the day by breaking through the the one way the two way window and uh, pulling her into his room. And then they, she discovers that there is a trap door in the room, and they uh, yes. find their way down into. The black room, which was alluded to in the, the diary as the torture room where this head
2: zombie kills people. I want to know what this room would have been if they picked the merman.
1: Oh, it would have I guess just been just
4: underwater, underwater, right?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you just fall into water. <laughs> it's like a little tunnel, like in the zoo.
4: <laughs> I'm hoping it, like, if they picked the little ballet girl, they would have gone in and it would have been like the secret underground cabaret.
1: Oh, it's amazing! <laughs> It's just, they fall down, but they fall into, like, theater now, seats.
4: During this whole, like, escape from the house scene, do they know that Mer- that Marty is already, quote-unquote, dead? Cause how I don't do they think know? They make, I don't believe they make any attempt to rescue well, him. No, they, they That's the they say
1: They say it. Uh, Cur- uh, After they get it,
0: Kurt, right? Kurt says, oh, Marty's gone. They got him.
1: But how um, does he know that? <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, because later he goes, for jewels And I was like, what about Marty? <laughs> I
1: know, yeah. <laughs> But truly, like, how did he know that? No one was around.
4: <laughs> I mean, I guess that there is a portion of the scene where um Kurt is off screen and I guess if he had just like gone to Marty's room and seen like Oh, the window! Like he's gone, and like the window's totally broken and smashed. He, he like, has
1: been inhaling dumbass gas, so it's yeah. probably he's not making his best choice. It's like, really.
4: oh, dumbass gas, window smash, friend gone. They got him. <laughs> yeah, dumb we really, gas, really know how Kurt smash. gets
0: there because it's, I guess, not important to the plot.
1: No, Kurt is constantly just appearing and disappearing with no explanation.
0: Yeah, we don't know how Kurt gets away from the zombies in the woods. I guess they just let him go. We don't know how he gets to the basement because uh, no. he just.
4: He as just arrives we,
0: in time to save them from the giant zombie.
4: As we find out later with Kurt and his cousin who may or may not exist, yeah. there's a lot about like immediately before this movie regarding Kurt that we do not know.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a whole like version of this movie where the characters are like changing at not the same rate, and so they actually notice it. That would
4: what if a- he had been in on it? That would have been a good. Point. Yeah, like as a knowing human sacrifice, who like led his friends into it. That
1: would have been a great.
4: And how did they?
2: At the at one point, they're like, I don't even think he had a cousin. How did they do that?
1: I how- have no idea. Like TJ, I don't know if you have a cousin.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's really Like, who knows if His that? parents had siblings who then had kids. You don't fucking
2: know. But like, how he would, would know know, he would know if he had a cousin. Like, he's like, oh my. <laughs> My cousin recommended this place. Like, how did they make him think he had a cousin? That's
1: amazing. He like got a call <laughs> one day, and it was like surprise. I just took twenty three and me, and I found out we're cousins.
2: Maybe just info it, energy. It's like, oh, I have a cousin. Okay.
4: Sure. Like again, there's either a cousin who works for this, and he's like, all right, look, I got a family member. Will be perfect for this human <laughs> sacrifice. Like, no one knows I work here. We can pull this off. He'll be fine. Yeah. Or. Maybe Again, he's from I, one I of feel- those
1: families that's, like, really sprawling. Because, like, my extended family, if somebody told me I had a cousin I didn't know about, I'd be like, okay, that seems right.
4: I feel like Kurt being in on it works really well for that, like, theoretical version where it all, it's all, like, a ritual is, like, a big, like, and, the, like, big, big reveal twist.
1: It would be good. Maybe yeah. if
4: he had it been as...
2: If he had been as famous as he was after Thor, maybe they would have given him a bigger role.
1: Yeah, you're probably right, because that, that like, fake die early, turn out to be the villain thing is something that they give to big actors that Mm -hmm. seem to have small parts, so that probably would have happened. Ugh, we were robbed by him not being Thor yet.
0: Yeah, just like when Drew Barrymore came back at the end of Scream. (laughs) Oh, sorry, did I spoil that?
4: (laughs) 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 <laughs> Did we see a different version of Scream?
1: We were in a different theater. It was like <laughs> ending of Clue. They just switched it out. To
4: be fair, if we ever do the descent, we'll have to figure out which ending to watch.
1: Ooh, are there multiple de- uh, descent endings? I, yes, I, I know uh, nothing.
4: In the the U.S. was like, yeah, this original British version is too scary. What if we make it like less scary?
1: Fascinating. Well, Wait, obviously, we would watch descent
0: both. Descent in the American well. I guess the version I saw was the unrated version, which I assume is the British If it's ending. the one
4: that ends completely with absolutely no hope whatsoever, then it's the original one.
0: We'll, we'll watch The Descent at some point, but <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's probably the version. Um,
4: oh, massive trigger warning in advance for claustrophobia. Mm. Oh, this
1: is the one you were telling me not to watch that I'm probably going to watch and regret. Okay, got
4: it. Yeah. I, got I, it. Same, I
3: think I've seen
4: that. That's very yeah. good. Like it's such about bad The Descent is why, the Descent is why it's I, about...
1: I Wait, I'm sorry. It's about spelunking? Okay, yeah. I'm out.
4: <laughs> the Descent is why I will never go into any
2: cave ever.
1: This
3: we're talking
2: about the Descendants, right? Yes. No. Oh, oh yes. Descendants.
1: <laughs> My favorite is the third one. I like Descendants 3.
2: This is like Ursula's
0: kid. That's. You know, she's just um,
1: great. Ah, oh, she's so cute. The costume. Love it. That is what we're talking about, right? <laughs> a movie that ends hopeless. <laughs>
0: Anyway, descend, descendants, and descent very much assigned uh, When
1: we one day review Mean Girls as if it is a horror movie, we should do Descendants as if it's a horror movie.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, so they re- they regroup with Kurt uh, after he sticks one of the zombies. Holden, Kurt, and Dana make it back to the camper, and they're gonna they're gonna run out. They're headed to the cave. They're gonna get out of here, and this is where we get citizen and Hadley discovering that uh the cave isn't blown up. The cave is supposed to be blown up so that they can't get out. And it looks like they might escape. And if they escape, then the world is going to end. So citizen has to run down to engineering and very dramatically move some wires around. Um explosion. Yeah, he I has
1: hot
2: sequence. wire cave. I love this sequence because I don't know who to root for.
1: I know! I, I felt the same way because you want them to succeed and then you're like, wait, no I don't.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so the, the
4: uh... it, is a, it is a very interesting bit of tension building in that regard of like where you're rooting for both sides to succeed yeah. yet fail.
2: How did they, know, like, let's say they blew the cave and they didn't get out of the cave in time and they died. Did they suffer enough? Like, how, I don't know. Like,
1: Oh, that's such a good question. Would that have messed it up too? Right. So she had to. She had to die last, so that would assume.
2: Oh, that's that, true. Right.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of. There is a lot of ways this could go wrong.
0: <laughs> this is uh the demon lawyer has been hard at work in this movie as well.
1: The <laughs> demon lawyer um, has really been at it.
0: Demon lawyer is our <laughs> favorite character.
4: I feel like the demon lawyer Bye. almost makes sense in that in this movie, since like <laughs> the rules of the ritual is like the whole. Is like kind of like are
1: Are you suggesting yeah. the demon lawyer does not make sense in Jennifer's body? Because take it back.
2: <laughs> Joss Whedon has a whole show about demon lawyers.
0: Yep. Uh, so yeah, they they blow the thing and they they start to back up out of the cave and uh, Kurt makes the discovery that he still has uh, Chekhov's uh motocross bike so he can jump across the gap to the other side of this thing on, on the other side of the cave. So he's gonna I,
4: gonna take a big I, jump at it.
1: I would like to put forth this scene as the funniest scene in the whole movie. It's very I would
4: funny. Die every. Oh my god! The this first the
1: time funny. I lost my mind watching it, it was so funny, and I wasn't because I did actually kind of like Kurt's character. I wasn't expecting to find it so funny when he dies. Funny like, part you know, too is
0: that it turns into a dramatic sports movie for about thirty seconds beforehand, <laughs> where speech- he's gonna make this jump. He is gonna save them. This is His it. He's speech. getting
2: across. When you he's know- like,
1: I'm going to bring the army. We're going to kill all of these people for <laughs> jewels. It's, oh gosh, it's so funny.
2: You- <laughs> and I think the delay actually helped this part of the movie because mm-hmm. the audiences expected him to make
4: it because he's Thor, but. But no. except we know about the force field, like, True. and we know what movie I, we're I, watching, and I knew we see about the
1: force field. But I didn't. It didn't occur to me that it was right there. So this still really surprised me. Oh,
4: so even that first time, I knew when it's like the big swelling. I'm like, oh, you're swelling. You're giving him the big swell up just so you can have him smash it into the wall. I see what's so happening. And I'm even loving. knowing it was coming, it still just was so. The way oh he just—he bounces down the wall, and just hits yeah, it over, hits and, it over and over and over again several times the on the, the way down.
1: The music cue too—it's like so heroic, and then just like,
2: bam! <laughs> just
1: oh, it will never recover.
2: Is this around That's the time so where good. we get the where the the little Japanese girls succeed, um, and we get them just going, "Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you!" I that part. It, gets that
3: me.
1: scene is really funny too. Yeah, I think this is right here.
0: Yeah, we see back at the at the lab that the little Japanese girls somehow managed to transfer the spirit of this angry girl into a happy frog so that they can all survive and live happily ever after.
4: And thus the evil has been defeated meme was born. It was so good. It yeah. was so good. Kiko's so awesome. spirit will live forever in the happy frog.
0: Yeah, so, so, awesome. so now, this is the last possible scenario. They have to They have to kill these kids, um, which will happen very shortly as, uh, you know, after Kurt blows up, Holden and Dana get in the van and they're driving and they're convinced there's another way to get out and Holden is going to get them there and then Holden gets stabbed. They're not convinced,
1: right? Because this is the scene where Dana's like, we are being puppet mastered and we can't succeed. She has full full learned helplessness at this point. She's like, there's nothing we can do.
4: Dana is in full-on, is correct, but is also in a full-on psychological breakdown. She's like, point. I should have been hitting that bong. <laughs> right?
1: That said, Holden does pull my other favorite chip move to totally gaslight her and be like, no, you're crazy.
0: Yeah, there's got to be a way we can get out of this. And then he immediately gets stabbed through the through the seat and the throat. Um, and Plummets. This is really like this is actually the most distressing part in the movie to me, which is that camper going into the lake within a minute. Um, that was really scary. Boy, I don't want that. I don't want to be trying to get out of a camper as it's sinking into a lake.
1: That um, is with scary. a zom- murder zombie.
0: Yeah, murder zombie aside, I don't. <laughs> I don't want this scenario. Um, <laughs> Did
2: yeah. any of you watch Lost? No. Yes. yes. I was having PTSD of <laughs> a certain <laughs> Lost scene.
4: Oh. Uh, was okay. it uh in the submarine oh wait no i think it yes yes the well, there's, submarine i guess there's, i guess i guess the problem is that there's multiple main characters on the lost <laughs> who drown to death oh, right
1: no. suddenly very glad i have not watched it
0: yeah so uh holden is dead and, yeah. and uh dana is now swimming to shore uh and according to everybody in the office this is it they've done it um The virgin death is optional. uh, It will be decided by fate.
1: Well done scene two where they're partying and there's the music, but you see her like fighting in the background.
2: Apparently, it was a bitch to film because all the scenes with Dana in the background are in chronological order. Um, Yeah, so apparently it was really hard.
0: Huh. Yeah, they did not go back in blue screen or green
1: screen. I was wondering, that seems like it could have been (laughs) easier.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Like, maybe you should have blue screened that one. That like,
1: seems like maybe you could have.
3: <laughs> yeah. And the but, transition
2: uh, here um, from the lake to the party with yeah. the that the was it a beer bottle or something? Champagne. Coming out. Yeah, the All champagne. Right. The transitions in this movie are just so good. They are.
0: Yeah, it's it's a real like tonal shift suddenly. Um, when, to like she is when, still being stalked by this giant zombie with uh, the inexplicable bear trap in the background. Right, and this um, is as...
1: when he says he was kind of rooting for her because she has so much heart. Which, no,
2: <laughs> then he goes, Te-
4: Tequila, tequila is my lady, <laughs> All right?
1: Like, because he's like, for five oh. seconds feels bad, but right. then alcohol. Like, yeah,
4: he never like, watches the line movie. where she says, like, the death is awesome. Like, the important part is that she suffers, and it's just, yeah. just like, that's a big, that's a big, I feel like that's just like a condemnation of horror movies in general, that like it is yeah. us perversely demand like demanding ritualistic suffering from
2: yeah. Yeah. next time we watch this we're gonna get together bring a bong <laughs> some pop tarts and tequila
4: there you go that's the perfect recipe it's
2: all the all
0: movie. the food that's mentioned in the
2: thing. <laughs>
1: uh, is is wait does a bong count as food jeremy
0: <laughs> i mean <Do> you, <laughs> <it's>, i've never <laughs> it's a, a thermos and a bong i don't know
1: there's a i have many questions that is not a that is not a whole what meal you compromise? need to eat more food
4: what if we compromise and we make weed pop tarts
1: okay hey. compromise accepted there's whole there's some wholesome calories in there i was about
0: to i was about to say something about edibles but you know i don't you, you wouldn't use a bong for edibles but beside the point. To,
1: what are you storing the edibles in the bong hey, jeremy i think you're doing this wrong
2: i've never done weed i'm a good. good boy
0: yeah just gonna have some some warm weed soup in the thermos i guess
3: oh
4: okay (laughs) i have not done weed this hour
1: (laughs) i i've also not done the weed so sad tj are we boring no (laughs) okay thanks (laughs) I've, i've
0: never i i've never never really uh done done the weed i am boring i guess but also- I guess
4: I'm just the fucking degenerate and <laughs> in the group.
2: <laughs> I like how this has turned into, hi, my name is Jeremy. I've never done the weed. Right. Hi, happen? Jeremy.
4: <laughs> hi, my name's Ben, and I get fucked up like a normal person. God damn it. <laughs> oh, no. I have... Oh, no. I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a total degenerate. I'm a bad influence on people. Yeah, see, see for me, it was always
0: like all the people I knew... All the people I've been friends with and, and known that smoked were like potheads. They were just always smoking and that's not a like thing I want to work my way into. <laughs> like,
2: Did they talk about puppeteering all the time? <laughs>
1: <laughs> always. Are, are we in the scenario? Please yes. tell us.
0: Yes, that's
4: that's, no, it. that's Oh God, that's for when we do uh, Being John Malkovich. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so yeah, this is actually, we get another tonal transition here, which is the red phone starts ringing and everybody stops to look at the red phone.
1: I have a question here because there's this, this did not follow for me. So TJ, since you've read the script, maybe you could explain Mm -hmm. it. They, they cut to, so they're talking in the party and they have the people that failed to blow the bridge. Mm -hmm. And those people say they didn't, They didn't fail. It came from above.
2: So I never understood what was happening here until I read the script. Okay. And it was that Marty lived and got into that elevator wiring box and him messing with the wires um, messed with the cave blowing Oh, they
1: definitely did not ever say that.
2: (laughs) Right. It wasn't softly implied.
4: Yeah, that was the... That when they said, like, someone was messing around with it, it was like, oh, well, we do see Marty... Buxing around later with it so yeah, yeah. I, I thought that might have been the explanation but I do like knowing from the script that that is actually what it is
1: yeah it, I feel like that was maybe too subtle in a movie that is otherwise not that subtle
4: <laughs> yeah so yeah, I, we, I think there was just a lot going on
1: there was a lot it was a whole party to be
4: fair <laughs> a lot of heavy lifting done in this scene
1: yeah, yeah we yeah. get
0: one side of the conversation on, on the phone which is just you know Hadley shocked and going oh, who what? what what did happen no, did you um, immediately ooh,
1: know he was alive? So I asked if you expected, you know, Marty to die. But did you know it was him that was alive when this happened?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, everybody, okay. di- everybody else dies very visibly.
1: <laughs> like- yeah. <laughs> I guess because, see, I did watch this years after K mod and I wasn't thinking of the context. I assumed it was Chris Hemsworth
4: because yeah, I, I did also have the thought yeah. of like maybe he climbed back up. Maybe he climbed back up.
0: I mean, his bike explodes and then he bounces he, off the force field several more times. And apparently, one hit in the force field was enough to kill the, the eagle look, early on.
4: People get well, this stabbed with got trolls. Stupid, <laughs> shitty hollow bones. <laughs>
1: People survive, i don't know why i'm just rag of-
4: i don't know why i'm ragging on bone <laughs> evolution that allowed for flight <laughs> i
1: don't know you're really coming for the birds yeah.
4: curtis is fine
2: he will walk it off
1: he'll be fine his abs yeah. protected him
4: i will say this if it was a marvel movie this definitely would have been like the recurring joke where thor just like smashes into a surface and everything and you see his <laughs> cheek get all like pressed up
3: uh, exactly
4: that happens in every thor that happens every thor movie it really does
0: yeah, and then of course, uh, this is where Marty does return. The uh, bear trap zombie reaches back to finally kill Dana, and is blocked by the the bong. Uh, the bong. Uh,
1: okay, which the real is protagonist more of this movie, the bong. Which is more powerful, the bong in this movie or the candy cane in Anna and the Apocalypse?
3: Mm.
4: I get, I still gotta give it to the candy cane. That did a lot right. more. Like that did. A, I feel like the offense that had a lot more offense to it. It,
1: it it took out more zombies there were
4: yeah additional like I feel like zombies the, I feel like their defense is equal and then the candy can <laughs> better offense uh,
2: we're talking about joss whedon so i have to say that anna in the apocalypse is super buffy the musical especially that uh number at the end when she's uh, fighting to the stage super i can roughy. agree with I mean,
1: this because i have seen that one episode
4: <laughs> you have to give credit to anna in the apocalypse just for being high school musical meets dead rising
1: I will always give credit to Anna in the Apocalypse and I'm excited that I've made us talk
3: about it again.
0: Yeah, I mean, the difference between Anne in the Apocalypse and Buffy the Vampire Slayer is that there are any teenage male characters in Anne in the Apocalypse that we care
4: about. It's true. Yeah.
1: Ben Wiggins, make an album. Thank you. What up, Ben Wiggins? 2020.
4: <laughs> Have we creeped you out yet with our podcast? If not, we'll get there.
1: Ben Wiggins has blocked us all on Twitter at this point. <laughs>
4: uh. Yeah, because I, I feel
0: like uh, Ben Wiggins has has quite a uh, much much bigger ups than Nicholas Brendan in my personal personal opinion at this point. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Nicholas Brendan, who has been arrested at multiple comic cons at which he was a guest for fighting people. Um, Wait,
3: what? Wow, what?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, Xander gets into fist fights at uh, drunken fist fights at comic cons.
1: Thank you for telling me it was xander so i could stop pretending i knew who you were talking about
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah xander's a wife beater nowadays
1: Ooh, yikes oh really? no is he
4: i oh. love to say if you go to personal life the legal issues section is real long <laughs> that's
1: yeah. never a good sign man yikes
0: so all right <laughs> nicholas brendan aside again um <laughs> Yeah, so that's not even uh,
4: alleged. There are actual convictions.
0: Oh, oh no, yeah, he is. He has missed parts of comic conventions because he was uh, too busy being in jail. Well, um, we
2: mentioned David Boreanaz when they did the Buffy twenty year reunion. David Boreanaz refused to be in the same room as him. Good. Um, so in that featurette, you'll see um, Nicholas Brendon having his
4: own separate clips, and that's why. That's, that makes sense.
1: That reflects well on David Boreanaz. Oops. Good for
4: you, David Boreanaz.
1: <laughs> we like you. I, I mostly like you because of BoJack, <laughs> which you were not even in,
4: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: is referenced frequently. It's I... da- th- His house is referenced frequently in the show BoJack.
4: Okay. I'm not going to lie, BoJack Horseman is also my favorite David Boreanaz novel. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why you were being so quiet. I was like, back me up here.
4: <laughs> you, don't, you don't love Bones? I do. To the Bones Mobile.
1: <laughs> Any of you heard the Bone Zone podcast? It's amazing.
3: No. <laughs>
1: there is a new podcast recapping all the seasons of Bones, and it's called The Bone Zone, and it's very funny. <laughs>
4: Chris, as you know, I am a big fan of the genre of murder detective teams up with occupation that is not murder detective. <laughs> I am
1: very aware. Yes, <laughs> this is ninety percent of our friendship at this point is talking about said shows.
4: Like, I'm still waiting for like the like the show where Zoe Deschanel plays like a marine biologist and she has to team up with like the New Orleans like murder detective to solve like is ocean that- crimes. Why
1: has that not happened? <laughs>
4: And I'm gonna say DB Woodside plays the murder, plays the detective.
1: <laughs> you have a show here. Just pitch it.
4: Is he he's from Buffy too, right?
2: DB Woodside. DB Woodside is in Buffy, I believe. Yeah, yes. yeah. I know. I know my Buffy.
1: Yeah, TJ has yep. flawless. Like he has a photographic memory for Buffy and Buffy
4: only. <laughs> According to a quick Google search, he plays Robin Wood. Yes, the only slightly important African American character in Buffy. Oh okay. yikes. So yeah, so I got oh, DB one They and, kill the other one. Yeah, so oh, I got DB side one and, and Zoe DeChanel in my in my marine biology New Orleans murder mystery like procedural. This, <laughs> I feel like this would legit get a green light.
1: I think it would. You need to NBC. Sell it get, to, yeah. NBC,
4: get at me.
3: I don't know. This so is many my...
4: episodes begin with a dolphin finding a corpse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is my hope for the next season of Mrs. Maisel. This, uh... <laughs> It's just her doing detective work with, with somebody.
1: I would pull me right back into that show. I was yeah, pretty over Yeah, that last season
4: it, lost me a little bit, but...
1: If there was more murder in shows, I would probably be more in.
4: I want to say more shows should just suddenly become murder mysteries, but then I realized, nope, that did not work out for the L word. Oh, um, no.
0: All right. I feel anyway, like... Back, the back to Cabin in down. the Woods.
1: <laughs> I was looking at my notes like, where even were we?
0: <laughs> so, Marty... Uh, Marty saves Dana, pulls her off to this uh, this little gap under a doorway that he found behind a log where uh, there's a oh, strange compartment where the zombie came from. It turns out he has dis- disemboweled the zombie that attacked him with a trowel. Not
1: just as
4: butt. he like made that thing into mush. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah much, except for the arm, importantly. Just
0: the arm. So he uh, has also figured out that there is an elevator the elevator has no controls inside, but he can send it down, and so since they're stuck here with zombies hunting them, they decide the only logical thing to do is set it to go down and jump in the elevator and just, just see what happens.
2: Um, I do love the I line not? of
4: her, her saying, do we want to go down? I love yeah. that.
1: Yeah, which fair point, but also, like, where else would you go? Yeah, and then
4: I like this response. It's like, but the plot says we do. <laughs> but yeah. also,
1: mean, it, to be fair, where would they go? <laughs> They already know they can't leave, so yeah. down down makes as f- much sense as anything. It's a
4: fair call.
0: Yeah, they, along with the uh, zombie arm that's in there with them, uh, write it down. And this is where we get the big, big shift, big reveal in the movie, uh, or I guess would be a big reveal if we didn't already know it was happening. It's a big reveal to them where we see that they have a whole menagerie of nightmare monsters underneath this thing.
1: This is my um, other favorite scene. I love it.
4: It's still a pretty shocking moment to really, truly get the f- yeah. full-picked scope of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we see the werewolves, but then we also see the ballerina dancer uh, with no face, face, which is really, really freaking. We see Fornicus Lord of Bondage and Pain. Our favorite. Um, yeah. right. There are
2: some um, reavers from Firefly somewhere in that montage. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a lot of
4: There's a lot of crazy shit. There's like a a mechanical alien thing in
3: there.
1: Is there really I need to go back and like actually just see the screen because there was just so much. There's There's some like like,
4: demon surgeons.
1: Question mark, question mark, a transformer, which we also see attack people later. And I was like, is there a horror movie about transformers that I'm unaware of?
0: Like Anyone? the I mean, Transformer Scorpion thing? I mean,
4: Revenge yeah. of the Fallen was pr- was a pretty uh, traumatizing experience for me, at least.
1: <laughs> All Michael Bay Transformer movies are a little bit horror movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this is also where uh, seeing Fornicus playing with, playing with his ball. Uh, no, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> seeing Fornicus messing with his puzzle ball. Are we
4: saying phrasing?
0: So notices... what happens when
4: Fornicus unlocked his ball?
0: <laughs> Dana realizes that they chose. They chose their monster. They that made them really choose. tragic. And somehow they chose uh, zombie rednecks. We discovered their bases on red alert. Security guy finds them in their room and confronts them and then is tripped up by the
2: zombie arm. Um,
1: yes, way to go zombie arm is another <laughs> yeah. good line. In this so
2: movie. many good payoffs in this movie, including the zombie arm. I
4: agree. Zombie arm saving the day, by which I mean dooming the entire world. Marty, realizing he's the protagonist of
0: this movie, picks up the gun too. Um <laughs> And the SWAT teams uh, come in after Dana and Marty and they uh, run into the the closest room they can find, which turns out to be some sort of control room for the monsters. And uh, Dana does the one thing that Dana actually does in this movie, which is yes. she discovers that there is a button that says purge system. And, in, <laughs> and before she does it, she looks at Marty for confirmation that she should do it um, yeah. and presses the button to purge the system, which uh, releases all of the monsters, they all pop into the elevators and show yeah. up in
1: the, the hall so at the same time to murder the effect, everybody.
3: The fact of the
1: ding, uh, of the elevator ding and the monster reveal, elevator ding monster reveal is so good. That mm.
2: one, oh, it's like, great. I There's another it. payoff when she hits the button, she says, let's get this party started, which yeah. was a thing yeah. from earlier.
4: That's right, yep. I didn't catch that. Also guys, bad button, don't have that button.
1: I can't believe a horror movie has a purge button that also released purge teenagers. (laughs) Those were one of the things in the elevator.
2: (laughs) Did you guys think, so right before this, when we see Marty and Dana just kind of holding on to one another in the elevator, like I just love their chemistry. Like I, to me, they really feel like good friends. Like,
4: yeah, I
2: get
4: get nothing romantic out of it. Oh no, no, I just mean they're very believable.
3: Like, yeah. Of their friendship.
1: yeah, I wish we had seen more of them, those two being friends before that.
4: I agree. Because I did have a certain sense of it's of like, how did Marty get involved in this group?
1: Right, right, exactly. Well,
4: like, he made out was, with Joel's, That's
1: the right. oh, yeah, they,
2: they, were,
3: they were
1: friends. They were friends young. That's right. I forgot about yeah.
2: that. So
0: they're they're trying to survive while uh, we get to see the, the guys in the control room, uh, which is being overrun. And oh boy. First, the first one to go is Truman, um, who just shoots Ooh. his gun and at all the horror monsters God, for a minute well and
4: then gets shot. torn apart. That is a bad death.
1: No, I'm good. glad
4: you're. I'm glad you were. All your moral concern led to something, Truman.
1: <laughs> yep, you really accomplished a lot. You even got a last line. Oh wait, no, you didn't. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cap, caps off to Truman, who did nothing and was there.
2: He, he, he went out. Room. Was it scarecrows that were like? attacking him. I don't even remember. He blows himself up to yeah. kill them, I think is what happened.
1: Oh, yeah, he does I blow know, himself does, up to take kill Take out a
4: grenade, yeah.
1: Something.
2: Yeah. Now we
0: do get maybe the best payoff here, which yes. is Hadley gets stabbed and falls down um only to see approaching what is it? A merman and and That's it's it's bad. And what a merman. <laughs> it's more of a king shark than a merman. Um, this
4: looks like it has like a blob fish for a head for like a face,
1: it's so gross and
3: wonderful, and I love it with my whole heart.
4: The blood
2: shooting out of him is my favorite. The
4: blood blood blowhole, what a
3: thing!
0: (laughs) Hadley's last line is, is is what? Oh, come on, yes. (laughs)
4: I yeah, hope whoever came up with the concept of blood blowhole just took a long drag from a cigarette and just gave like the most satisfying. <laughs> like, it took headlight. a
1: long drag from yeah. the bong.
4: Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there is a lot. Like hell, yeah. Like the murder unicorn. You see Fornicus oh. stringing people up. Like there is like these so are very gory, graphic depths. But yeah. this is like I feel like the spookiest part of the movie because. Yes. This point, it's, not, it's not like jewels where you're still like engaged with like the horror of what's going on. This is pure, oh boy, what crazy monster are they gonna show me next and how are they gonna kill like what crazy way are they gonna kill some people? Because right. yeah, whether or not
0: just, whether or not what they're doing is good or justified, all of these people definitely deserve what they're getting.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's just a lot of scenes of like our main characters sort of running by all of these like miniature horror like uh, montage, almost. It's it's so delightful. Yeah, we get to see the unicorn
0: uh, impaling somebody. We
1: get to see the unicorn and the magical music that plays when the unicorn <laughs> impales people. We get to see the real zombies because there is a point earlier where they mentioned there are zombies and they're redneck zombies. We do see the real zombies in this scene, also. Yeah, the
0: straight up George
4: Romero shopping mall type zombies. What? Having seen the difference, I'm with Richard Jenkins on that one. Th- these are definitely distinct horror mo- horror totally. monsters. Totally so different
3: creatures.
4: Does not count. You do not win the pool. You do
1: not win the bet. Is that enough zombies for a horde?
4: Mm. I, mean, I, I love the zombies clown. to start a
0: horde eventually.
4: That felt no, like a posse of zombies. <laughs> posse. <laughs> the clown yeah. just getting shot and laughing. The clown. Had. That is oh, The fucking clown. Also yeah. Really so with Hadley down. Little
1: girl that's like walking slowly, and she's like, "Come play with me." <laughs>
4: Yeah, with Hadley down,
0: we're we're down to uh, Lynn and Citizen. And boy, Lynn goes out quick. Uh, Lynn is yeah. getting ready to go down to the trap door with him and just gets scooped up by a tentacle.
2: She um, almost makes it.
0: Yeah. Also does not have a meaningful death at all. No
4: character yeah. arc for Lynn. Nope. Um. By science lady 2.0. <laughs> yeah, Joss Whedon Dr. really.
2: Science. Joss Whedon has been dreaming about Amy Acker and tentacles for a while.
4: Oh, <laughs> oh, you're no, right, no. I, I hate it. You're right, oh, but no. I hate it. The
1: accuracy. So
0: that's that's the end of Doctor Scientist 2.0. <laughs> Doctor
3: Scientist
1: <laughs> Pour it <2. went> out. <laughs> Pour out for Marisa She does. Tome.
2: Amy Acker plays a character in Joss Whedon's Angel, where she gets possessed by a demon that questionably had tentacles at one point so oh, it, no. it could have this been a reference
1: thing? to this
2: that is... oh. it, who knows it's yeah. either a
1: reference or it's a thing and one of those is fine and one of those isn't
2: <laughs> either way <Ew. laughs>
0: mm. Truly. yeah so citizen escapes down the hatch almost she, he gets down the hatch and then is suddenly stabbed by dana um
1: which is a good payoff too i've got to say
0: yeah before before dying citizen tells dana uh, that that save the world marty has to die and then falls down. Uh, before he's able to explain any of that, he dies uh, because he
4: is not immune to knives like everybody
0: else in this movie.
1: He <laughs> got stabbed in the front, not in the back. It's
4: important. Yeah, if he'd been stabbed in the back, he would have been like doing, like he would have been running marathons and no Imagine but, like, a
1: scenario where he gets, he comes back at the end. Too.
4: <laughs> I'm still alive. I'm
3: here. Just, just a stabbed. knife.
4: People don't die of knives. Yeah. And this is uh, this is where he just stabs you know. we're Like, see, you're fine. Look, I just stabbed you. <laughs> <laughs> Did it again. After so
0: Dana and Marty find the, the room with the archetype um, things, you know, lined in blood that we've been they've been showing clips of the whole time. So you know, we get to actually see what these five types in this ritual are. Uh, which should, should should we name them?
1: Yes, we should name them.
0: Yeah, we've got um, the Fool, which is what Marty's supposed to be. Uh, we've got the Whore, we've got the Virgin, we've got the Athlete, and the Scholar. Yeah. The, the five types. And having seen a lot of horror movies, yeah, I
3: guess. And <laughs> you love
2: the line of Dana being like, Virgin, and Sigourney Weaver
4: goes, we work with what we have. That was that fucking was savage. I love Like Sigourney was was Sigourney was Ice in that scene Just ice in her veins
1: I do have a a question for the demon lawyer Um, If we can Try to suss this out So we know that the whore has to die first And we know that the virgin has to die last Or is optional Does everyone else have to die in order Or is it like free for all in the middle I
3: I think think it's free for all in the middle
0: middle Because They think that Uh, Marty has been killed second, but I guess it's still fine if he dies before, um, yeah, before Dana.
2: Well, there was, um, so when Marty, quote, dies and they pour the blood, when he, quote, dies, there's a like kind of a mini earthquake, and I want to say that's because the god was unpleased, like it had been done incorrectly.
1: Oh, interesting, that's a really good Mm. point. Yeah,
2: that would make a lot of sense.
1: Fully missed that. Huh. Interesting. So, where did the blood blood come from? Did he still bleed enough? Exactly.
2: Where is the blood coming from?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess they've just got blood on hand. You know, maybe maybe they've drained some blood beforehand in all of this setup. Cutting
4: um, oh, no. lots of goats.
2: Yeah, and
0: this is it's
4: where all, we, we it's honestly oh, it's it's just cornstarch, red like water and red food dye.
1: <laughs> it's chocolate. We learned this.
4: <laughs> this is where we meet Director
0: Sigourney Weaver. Oh, who is uh is amazing. is here to tell us all uh what everything, what this all what this is all about anyway. Boy, it's pretty chilling when uh she's she's like, Oh yeah, it has to be the youth. The youth have to be sacrificed and you know, give themselves up to protect the world. That's always the way it is. Yikes. Um, well ugh. that
4: was the I mean, that's the <sighs> theme that I mean to me that's the theme that like strikes so much the theme of like American horror yeah. is this like this hatred of the youth, of making the younger generation suffer that we yeah. like to sacrifice them and then you know you think about like the sexual component that this movie tries to touch and comment on and it's like god what could be more fundamentally american than forcing a young woman mm-hmm. to like uh, that abusing her sexuality for like your own entertainment and then violently punishing her for it
1: yeah 100 percent. it's yeah
3: woof
0: yeah i mean they're they're not they're specifically not allowed to be complex in this story they are pushed into being archetypes um you know be the athlete or or whatever
1: what if 2020 the actual year ends with sigourney weaver showing up and explaining to us what's happening
0: (laughs) (laughs) i would welcome that at this point like if sigourney weaver was like hey guys Here's what's actually going on. I'd be like,
1: I would be
3: oh, delighted. I was
1: like, oh, you're here. Good. Okay.
2: Now, is she human? Do you guys just assume she's human?
1: Yeah. Oh,
4: is she?
2: Yeah. I don't know. She has like weird gloves on. Um, so in my mind, I'm always like, what's under those gloves? Oh,
4: I always <laughs> just assume that's Sigourney Weaver being extra as fuck. I was going to
3: say, <laughs> she just showed up on set. Yeah, like, I just like assume she's
4: just like, look at me. I'm Sigourney Weaver. Look how goddamn. Oh, yeah. stylish I'm, I'm, I'm so eye glad eye. they got her. They only, they
2: wanted like just a big horror icon for that role, but uh-huh. I'm I'm so glad they landed on her.
0: Yeah, she's so good. Yeah, I, 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 I imagine like imagine her too. Baby like, Curtis
4: in that role. Yeah, for her Curtis
0: to wouldn't... the to the yeah. uh, Colonel Sanders from
4: the end of the Matrix.
3: <laughs>
4: <sighs> I never assumed she wasn't human, to be honest.
1: That is interesting, though. I I feel like she probably is. Yeah,
2: like she, I think she's human. I just wasn't within, sure. She's what exactly thought. as human as
0: Sigourney Weaver is.
2: Ooh. Oh, <laughs> so godlike. <laughs>
0: godlike.
3: She is. She is.
0: I, I I like to imagine that this character has come from the end of the more the new ghostbusters where she <laughs> she's revealed to be the uh person who's who's tutoring you know the main one of the main characters there
3: exactly
2: so do you guys think they should do you think Dana should have killed Marty like if it was you in that situation do you think it was the right thing to do
1: no I, I was so mad at her for this because first of all she has no evidence that they're right she just immediately is like okay which I guess might be the dumbass gas. I don't know. But like that's supposed to not be affecting her, right?
0: Well, here's what kills me about this is Sigourney Weaver is like, yeah, he has to die for this to happen. And she she takes the gun that he has given him and points it at him. But there's never any indication that she's actually going to fire it. She's, she... you know, shaky and, and not doing much. Uh, so like her final act and this is this is going to be just a thing that i harp on in the later act her final act as the final girl who has done nothing up to this point is to again do nothing yeah like, she doesn't make a choice she Instead gets bit by a girl
4: i was surprised by just a that like Mar- i was a little surprised that marty never even considered like oh maybe i should die to like save the world
2: right and
4: i was a little surprised by like again, like she points the gun at Marty and he just goes like, oh, how dare you? You are so objectively in the wrong. And then she goes like, oh, I was objectively in the wrong. I'm like, there was a legitimate argument to be yeah. made here. Like, like And like,
2: this is why I brought up Marty's line earlier. Like, they established very firmly that he does think society needs to crumble. So like, yeah. maybe we should have had a committee <laughs> making this decision <laughs> yeah. and not the stoner that hated society. <laughs>
4: yeah it did very much feel like i really think it was just like marty's very much like oh i was wrong and like and yes you were right to apologize to me for trying to get for like <laughs> trying to potentially save humanity I, I didn't I, that like, was okay. i'm like i didn't feel like
1: weird. he i didn't feel like he was like you were right to apologize to me they were He he really clearly goes like no i get it at the end well, I will, i'll defend marty a little bit here
2: so in defense of dana she she does apologize for holding the gun at him she says she probably wouldn't have done it but her last act that she does is saving marty because yeah. he would have been killed by um the little zombie girl but she yeah. warns him and because of that uh, he ends up living until the
3: end yeah,
0: yeah the yeah. little i i do like the the little zombie girl appearing in this scene because what's happening yeah. is marty is fighting the the director who wants to kill him and this little zombie girl who has been limping behind mm-hmm. along behind them, trying to kill them the whole time, finally shows back up in this scene and is there to kill Marty. Dana warns him. He rolls over and instead the zombie girl stabs the director and then Marty kicks both of them off the platform.
4: It is a great payoff for the yes. zombie girl. I yeah, really. She's agree. been
0: very slowly limping behind them the whole time.
1: Yeah,
2: that was a great... Gr- <laughs> yes
4: that was, was great uh, so check off zombie girl
1: check off zombie girl <laughs> and uh, little
2: zombie girl her name is patience I forgot. oh yes patience mm-hmm.
1: yes so this is a this idea of like whether to have sacrificed marty or not is sort of an interesting idea in the movie when you consider that he goes on to make the good place which is fundamentally about debating those exact type of questions
0: yeah
2: So let's say, okay, you guys, you know that these gods are going to kill everyone if you don't kill Marty. Do you kill him? Yes or no?
1: I think I couldn't, even if it was the right decision.
4: Mm -hmm. I'd I'd probably kill Marty. (laughs) I mean, I I think I'm going to
0: talk Marty, I'm going to try and talk Marty into killing himself.
4: Well, that is yeah. so much darker. Jeremy. Yeah, that's way darker. If, it, if, <laughs> it's me, if it's me, I'm letting him talk to the director. I'm just pulling the trigger. Like, wait, he doesn't even know what's happening. Like, so, just done. Like, no pain, scenario, just no betrayal. Just
1: Ben is like just letting him down easy, and you are sitting there gaslighting
0: him. I'm you. not gaslighting him. I'm. I'm
4: I was I'm talking so facts worried. with him. I'm like I so... was so worried about my answer until I heard Jeremy's. <laughs> so I'm,
3: I'm with What i saying
0: what i'm saying is there is no way that either of them is getting out of this place alive whether there are giant gods underneath them or not right like there is an army of monsters between them and the door
1: we know that the director is right but she doesn't know that's the part that i that i got stuck on but neither of them are
0: getting out of there alive either way like
1: but yeah but exactly they released all of the monsters so this could very easily be the other classic horror movie scenario where she could have sacrificed her friend and then surprise you know she still dies right like there there's no way she knew that it was the right choice to kill him
2: I don't know but she's convinced by the end though because she says maybe you're right maybe society does need to crumble like so they have her convinced but she's just kind of accepted that yeah. you know
4: Again I feel like I feel like it's interesting just and I, feel, and I don't want to say that it's like, oh, I don't like the nihilism of the ending doesn't work just like on its face. I just feel like to really earn this whole like, yeah, fucking just burn everything down. I just feel like it was a little too much for this movie to chill Like it was a little <laughs> too big a bite.
1: Right. I don't know. So usually I don't like a bleak ending. Um, and honestly, we've watched three horror movies with a rather uplifting <laughs> tones at the end so this is kind of our first one that's like really bleak um but... i don't know if
2: i find it bleak to me it to me it's bittersweet in the way that humanity is ending but the old these gods are old ones this new species is gonna have a chance um to maybe do better than we did but so are in they a way...
1: are they not the ones that were orchestrating all of this though so they're not better. Yeah, they're apparently for these
4: new higher beings, they're still pretty into just like tits and murder. <laughs>
1: right. So we, yeah, because, and, and the creatures, all of the monsters are established as having been from the old world. I don't think it's good. I don't think what's happening next is good.
2: Right. So I'm on team convince Marty to probably kill himself for the greater <laughs> good.
4: I, I mean, I'm at on... this point, like you said, Chris, it's like no one's getting out of here alive what's better like falling into the infinite pit like bullet to the head or any one of the monster horrors like
1: yeah i see it's, i think the only it's tough because the fact that they don't give dana any agency in this whole movie is it has what... no
3: agency it's what
1: makes this not work because i think there is a scenario in which she is taking her agency here and not being played as a puppet yeah but it doesn't quite it's mostly like she just does what Marty tells her to do.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it's like I feel like her big closest she comes to making a decision is to not make a decision.
1: But it could have been, it could have worked. There could be a scenario here where I think if it had been just played a little better, like written a little better, where her being like, "No, I refuse," was more active than it seemed like it was. Because she gets attacked by a werewolf instead of choosing. Because she doesn't
0: refuse because Marty says, "Do you think you could have? Would you have killed me?" And she says, "I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I could have."
1: That's why I it doesn't work.
4: I needed just some sort of arc for her to make me feel like, oh, yes, I get why she would be like, yeah, fuck the entire world. Like, I'm okay with it all ending. And I don't quite get it from where it's like, really? We're going with just like college junior stoner nihilism? That's, guess, that was look. correct. I guess I would, so the
1: only the only thing that makes that make sense to me is just what has just happened and like it, that level of trauma response that she was having. So maybe she wouldn't have made that choice like if she wasn't having just watched all of her friends be murdered. And, I would
2: have liked to have seen instead of her getting attacked by a werewolf to stop her. Like, what if she shot Sigourney Weaver? Right. Like,
1: exactly, you know, something like, more active.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Because again, it's even like she doesn't even get that true moment of like, oh, I'm not going to shoot him, or That's it's like, it, I'd rather just, and it's like, oh, werewolf attacked me, now I don't even have the option of deciding whether to shoot him or not, like. Exactly,
1: right. which makes all of the, like, it, it makes it fall flat, is
3: because yeah she doesn't choose like, it.
4: Like, I think it could have worked if it had been, like, she was, like, customer from exhaustion, just, like, after all that trauma, because, again, I did think the closest to it that I was, like, oh, I like that, was Marty had a line where it's, like, i don't want to live in a world where right. that, ha- that like you have to sacrifice all my friends for it to exist that's
1: that's what right. yeah that was the and, line that brought me around there at the end so, yeah and why i think like tj was saying i think it is in a way a bittersweet end is when they're you know they're sitting there and they're watching it end but they're doing it together and, and they smoking a it. joint and they didn't sacrifice themselves or each other to do it and i liked that even if it did in the world
2: that's very sweet chris
1: yeah. I would end the world
3: for you, TJ. <laughs> I
2: I do. That is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Is them just sitting there in silence, passing a joint back and forth at the end of the world. It's very sweet. You too.
3: I think it's
0: yeah. sweet. And then the giant arm comes out of the pit and destroys the cabin. Do you think we should have the seen
1: the arm? Because I feel like that wasn't good, or maybe the effect just
3: didn't hold up over time. No <laughs> I think
1: was...
0: it's fine.
1: <laughs>
3: okay, I was like, no.
0: I, like I think they there's... wanted a bad <clears throat> I like that. It, there's no question. I don't. I don't feel like this is the kind of movie that would benefit from a well who knows maybe it was just maybe nobody really knows what's going on there
1: it is good that it did end. I
0: think I I really like I really like the eventual ending of this movie I do not like how Dana's arc gets to its end I would like to her for her to have done something not just in the scene but in this movie
2: we need a sequel where she's a werewolf she gained some authority.
1: She's she's alive with the old ones because she became one of the monsters.
2: So my my favorite thing I wrote down while rewatching is I need a post credit scene with the old ones just sitting around smoking Marty's tiny bong.
3: <laughs> that
1: would fit so good.
4: They've made a bong out of the cabin in the woods, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, well, I would have been great if they were just like. Yeah they're smoking the joint and then they're just talking about which like of the rituals they liked best like that like we talk about our horror movies.
1: Right and then they suddenly realize there won't be more and they're like oh man.
0: <laughs> Somebody's like they just don't make them like that anymore.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that's so good.
0: Yeah, which Ben literally be said fair. when we were talking remember, about the movie.
4: Remember in sixty when they st- when like they had the guy in his mother's dress stab in the shower? That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, uh I guess that that we've already talking about the uh the first of our questions, which is uh how did this how does the movie make you feel? Are you glad you watched it? Is it keeping you up at night?
1: So it's not, I don't think it's scary enough to keep you up at night. It's certainly not me. Uh, as far as how it makes me feel, I, so I've seen this movie three times. We've all seen it more than once, right? I mean, I know we've all seen yeah. it more oh, than yeah. once, but we've all yeah. seen it more than twice, right? This is, a... mean, this is
0: actually just two for me, I think.
1: Oh, really?
4: I've ben, seen ha- it many times. I know
1: you have been. How many times have you seen it?
4: Yeah. Well, I say this is my third time watching it.
1: Okay. This is, so this is my, also my third time. I, <sighs> TJ, you're going to be mad. I didn't like it as much as I used to like it.
4: Oh, no, that's fine.
1: Okay. You're being nice because other people are. Sorry. i
4: agree with you chris uh when i watched it the first like the first time, like a few years back mm-hmm. it was like it was this kind of like i would have like recommended it like unreserved I it would understand. have been like oh it's so smart it's so clever it does such interesting with the horror genre 100%. and a lot of the positives are still there but the lack of dana having any real agency yeah. the uh the way it tries to have its cake and eat it too with sexualization of women in horror movies as much as i think this movie is really fun and really well made and really interesting i do think there's some real significant failings on the uh from a feminist perspective in this movie
1: 100 um yeah I, i think that's where it left me feeling too as far as the like scared versus i think it i think it hits existential dread more hard now Then maybe even the first time I watched it, possibly because we're living through
4: 2020. Yeah, I agree. Everything is is just existentially terrifying.
1: (laughs) Every horror movie we watch
3: is suddenly—it's like, oh look, the world.
4: Oh look, the world ends. Yeah, that makes sense. Why? Why? At this point, it's like, well, you know, we've still. Hey, we've got to end December with a bang. Why (laughs) wouldn't the old gods like burst out of the ground?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's um the existential dread didn't hit me as much with this one until the scene with the director at the end there where it's kind of laid out of the like yeah it has to be youth like the youth are always asked to sacrifice something for the world which is like you look uh, at yeah. just
4: the state of generations in our society and it's like oh we need to keep stripping the youth of their identities yeah. so we can sacrifice them to maintain the elder generations like safety like comfortableness and privilege if this yeah, movie
1: was it's... made today, she would have shot the director and said, okay, boomer.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I agree. I would, I, I, I would
0: like
2: that ending better. Like...
1: TJ, you're trying to agree with me and I'm going to let you
2: end to do it. <laughs> no, I'm just, I agree that the feminism is lacking in the movie. And I think that's mainly because all of the characters just don't have enough to actually have a chance to do that. And I think that's because it's so plot driven over a character
1: that's real
0: it's um i hate to say this because i do like this movie but it's got some real white liberalism problems like it is espousing liberal ideas and progressive ideas but doing it without advancing female characters doing it without having meaningful representation of of other races and again uh, every
1: line they say about the japanese team is very racist
0: it's also aggressively straight, more oh. so. I feel like than yeah, any just, movie we've watched. Oh yeah. Should
1: we Should we break it down by our categories now? Because yeah,
0: yeah. Like I guess treading in there rather than, rather than me talking about them all separately uh, or at the same time. And I don't know. Maybe it'll keep me up at night, but not for
2: scary reasons.
1: Uh, <laughs> just thinking about Joss Whedon. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I I I'm going to be the positive one here. I. I am super sentimental about the movie and I I absolutely love it. And I completely agree with everything you guys have said. It has definitely has problems, but um, watching it this time around, I, I feel it's a movie that if I walk into a room and it's on I have to sit down and watch it just because I think it flows so well every line is memorable the actors bring so much to the characters even when their character is a nobody um so I absolutely love it I think it's a perfect movie in terms of what it is but I think
4: it has all the problems that we've mentioned for sure. I, I mean, I still had a great time watching this movie. I did. Like, yeah, I don't had get a, me wrong. When I say yeah. that
1: I had a less good time than before, that's because I like this was one of my favorite movies. Right. So it's not yeah. like it's dropped to a bad movie. And I,
2: a lot of it comes from this was filmed 11 years ago and we've come far from then, but we still have a ways to go, obviously.
1: And a lot of this comes from Joss Whedon. Let's be very clear here. Yes.
4: Hey, let's be honest, if we didn't judge horror movies to unfair societal standards then we wouldn't have a podcast premise
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think this is this goes back to i think something that came came up in uh the discussion of the mummy we just had which is like this is on its surface in a lot of ways a perfect movie in the same way like pirates of the caribbean or the mummy are perfect movies like it's it's well constructed there's not a lot of empty space there's not Uh, stuff that doesn't matter in here Uh, it doesn't doesn't treat the characters as well as uh the mummy does for instance but like you know it's 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 i mean it's kind of like watchmen in the respect that like i can look at watchmen and say ah this is a well-constructed thing it is put together well everything pays off i mean there's a lot of great payoffs in this but ultimately like it doesn't it doesn't have something like there, it doesn't have you things. Do
4: you mean, mean the comment, it's a great? Right? <laughs> it's a great decon. I Jim, let me know if this sounds right. Like it's a great deconstruction and kind of like, hey, look at this. Like especially about horror movies and its mm-hmm. tropes, but there's no deeper, more concrete societal message beneath that. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah,
0: I mean, yes, I think i think in in an interesting way it also reminds me of say like early x-men because like x-men is very clearly an analogy for a thing it's trying to say something about a thing while not including the people affected by that thing yeah.
3: the messy like, mutant metaphor
1: yeah, yeah it's
0: it's very mutant metaphory because it's like and this is it's talking about all these things while simultaneously like not actually having meaningful certain, representation in it,
4: yeah, like at a certain point using metaphors for representation means you're not including any actual representation
2: right. yeah and I have tried to read those early X-Men
4: comics and the characters
2: are just so not there, which well, is kind of the problem here too.
4: You can kind of tell that that was the one where Stanley was phoning it in because he was just like what are what's the how did they get their powers? what's their origin stories? uh they're bored with it they, they they just have it. <laughs> i i I, i'm out of way it's
3: maybelline
4: exposed to radiation or bitten by things they're just born with it
1: they're just born with it (laughs) It flips hair
4: yeah and that's why our book all about like you know minorities and marginalization stars five like five well-off white people (laughs) yes all all specifically from new england
0: (laughs) so let's uh let's talk about how this movie treats its female characters We've said a lot about Dana already, and there's probably the most to say about her. Let's talk about Lynn, Amy Acker's character.
1: So she has also a stereotype, uh, a woman stereotype, specifically that the one that we've seen before, too, with Dr. Scientist, which is the one who's just there to be very one-dimensionally disapproving of the men's shenanigans.
3: Yeah, <sighs> Yeah.
0: she's... Uh... This. One, well, I, I don't mean this. I mean this from a writing perspective. Yeah, it's not like, her. they made, not this is how I view people, but she's a nag. Mm-hmm. She's there to ruin their party and tell them that what they're doing is wrong I had while it, participating yeah. in it.
4: I had in my notes, she's the Skylar White. Yeah. <laughs> like, Did you guys feel romantic tension
2: between her and Truman at all?
0: I felt because like they were supposed, supposed to be. Saying?
1: <laughs> that
3: was my question okay
2: too. me too so yeah. my sort of lead into my point here is of the very very few black characters in Joss Whedon's work why does he keep pairing Amy Acker up with the men oh,
4: that's interesting. I, yes I am it not happens, I am not even touching that one it comes in
2: three different times with Amy Acker and with the very few amount of black characters in his work to me I find it a little weird
1: I feel like this whole podcast episode has been us being like, "Is this a thing? Does Joss Whedon have this thing?" He, unfortunately, not
4: everyone can be quite as blatant as Quentin Tarantino.
1: I mean, he's—I mean, Joss Whedon uh, at this point is—he's—he's re- he's really getting there with the blatant. Yeah, yeah.
4: And what about Jules? What do we think?
1: I like Jules. Wish I like Jules. Jules. Yeah,
4: like I Jules was like fun. Like I again, and I think about like you know the the movie is kind of failed feminism yeah. i feel like it points out the prevalence of like the madonna whore mm-hmm. binary dynamic of like women characters but then it doesn't actually show but then it like it just points out and then again it doesn't do anything with that right like again i like think there the what in this i just in terms of like what the what would the missed opportunities of having Marty kind of be the character to figure all out is you lose either Dana, you lose either, like, you know, either Dana or Jules, because part of me kind of wishes Jules had been the main character. That would have been amazing. Um, you know, I feel like you lose what would have been, like, you know, a more centered story of, like, of one or both of them breaking out of that, you know, that very imprisoning uh, binary. I agree. There's something Imagine. about,
0: especially about the horror virgin thing, but about a lot of the things that are pointed out in this movie that feel like the first draft of a of a paper where the teacher would then read it and go, yes, yes, you've identified it, but what about it? Like, what yeah. are you trying to say about it? You You've pointed it out. It's there. Clearly, you've made a point that this is a thing. But what do you want to say about it? And this movie right. does not seem to know, other than like people get pushed yeah. into these it's dynamics. All, like
3: you've created it's all points, but no thesis statement.
4: Yeah, like you've created the virgin horror dynamic, besides from being like, oh, we did chemicals to make them that way, you have nothing to say about the dynamic or in how it affects. And like, again, there's just this whole, like, there's just a very big feminist uh, blind spot to this movie. Imagine Jules, like, taking the place of Marty in the third act and, like,
2: her and Dana oh. teaming up. Like, I feel like that would have been more, I mean, for better or worse, Whedon's vibe that he was known for at the time.
1: That would have been way
3: better.
4: That would have been so interesting having, like, them both survive and really, again, playing down that almost, like, that, oh, there can only be one, that uh, final girl, like...
2: And of all the terrible things this movie did to Jules, the one that makes me the most uncomfortable is in the first scene where she has the line, I learned it from you. And she <laughs> runs away. And I don't know if it's the delivery or the joke itself, well, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me.
4: I, yeah, I, I gotta be honest. I actually thought that was like, <laughs> okay. I, I, I also agree. I I thought that showed that her and uh, Chris Hemsworth have a very, like, natural, right. cute, funny... And weirdly,
0: I it did completely land for me, but it's not Anna Hutchinson who plays Jules that didn't work there. It's Chris Hemsworth's bit where he sounds very, like, when he says it, when he yes. says, where did you get these? It Like, the characters it, aren't yeah. firmly established enough at that point for me to be, like... When, why is he asking that? It's I, like, I think that's
2: what it is for me too, Jeremy. Like okay. I loved that entire scene and the dialogue, but for some reason every time I watch it, it makes me very uncomfortable.
1: Right because why? why why did that happen? cuz I think her part of it was funny, but like why did why make that joke? It was so weird.
2: Yeah, like and I I even get the joke. I I think Jeremy's spot on for me with the the delivery of Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm.
4: It
0: feels kid. like it's meant to be an inside joke, but I guess Jess Whedon has never had yeah. a friend group,
4: right? <laughs> it feels like they needed to have Chris Hemsworth, like, pay attention to the book, so they could then have him say smart stuff to establish that he's being turned into like the at the, the Jack later on. Yeah.
0: yeah, I I feel real weird about the treatment of Jules, but actually, like, the treatment of Jules is the most like. Wrote this is straight from every horror movie thing. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of precedent for Jules being killed first and not not having much going on for her. Yeah, it's, it's really it's really Dana that bothers me because I feel like this movie like fails in ways that several of the horror movies that they're talking about do better. Dana just has so little agency. She has so little going on for her. She makes no decisions everything she does is reactionary like she doesn't there's not you know several like final girls of the Jules variety or of the Dana variety would like have that last bit where you know they they arm up and go after the bad guy and right. you know they, they get, get some that. sort of bloody vengeance on and it she was, gets nothing.
4: It like, was such a contrast coming from like Evie in The Mummy Where the entire movie is driven solely by her agency to go from such a strong character, like to um, this movie, where the where Dana has like no agency and the plot doesn't rely on her like whatsoever. Now, to be fair, uh, like
0: Evie and the Mummy, they both do read something from a journal that causes uh, everything to go sideways, but.
1: what you're telling me, Jeremy, is when I do eventually go back up into my haunted attic, I shouldn't read the weird Bible that's in that trunk up there?
0: Here's the thing. Read to yourself first. Read silently through everything first and figure out if maybe it's some sort of bizarre incantation. And if it is, don't say it out loud.
4: But even then, like, that was still a scene. (laughs) Even that, even the act of summoning the monster, Evie is showing agency. That's her like, oh, I stole the book. I'm Intentionally ignoring these warnings, I'm choosing to read this thing, versus like, oh, we're being like essentially like led, like, you know, essentially like mm-hmm. led into this place where anything we pick up will do it, and they're just having like, you know, a, like an a el- sick illusion of choice, like pick our own depths, but the act of death and summoning has already been decided for yeah, that.
0: That's the really interesting thing for me because Evie is defined in that movie by doing things that nobody else can do. And Dana doesn't do anything that nobody else can do. I mean, in fact it's established very shortly thereafter that uh, Holden can in fact read Latin as well and actually knows what it's saying instead of just saying it out loud and not actually knowing what it's saying, which
2: is what, uh, what Dana does.
1: How is she that good at reading Latin and not knowing what it says?
2: Chris, if you take anything away from this movie, would it be do not read the fucking Latin?
1: <laughs> okay, TJ, I won't go in the murder attic and read the Latin. Okay.
0: <laughs> read it to yourself. Translate it. Don't say it out loud. Unless, you know, you, you translate it and you're like, oh, it's, uh, it's just lorem ipsum. Okay, never mind. <laughs> um, Okay, so I feel like we've kind of talked how much Dana sucks to death. <laughs> Do we have the any actress, more to say about the, the treatment of? Yeah. Do we have any uh, more to say about the the treatment of people of color in this movie or race in general?
4: I mean, they're,
1: they're, hmm. there's nothing good to say about
0: it. The movie yeah. doesn't say anything about race. It doesn't even try to yeah. say anything about race. It's no. just no. it's got two two black guys I mean, there.
1: And a lot of jokes. It
4: about the seems Japanese. to kind of have like yeah a lot of jokes about Japanese. a lot of like. I don't know, to me there was definitely like, and maybe this is just a commentary on international filmmaking in general or what's been able to break through, but it did seem like, oh, all the other countries constantly fail, just kind of felt like a, a little mean spirited towards like international horror films.
1: Right. Especially when it that, that whole discussion ends with the line, um, you got to go made in America if you want to succeed, which... I don't know, probably didn't feel as bad when this movie was made as it did in
3: 2020.
4: Fair.
0: <sighs> yeah. I, I you know, TJ asked the question about Amy Acker and uh being paired with black actors earlier. And I I don't know, it's a difficult thing to parse out, but it it makes me think about um some of the the ways in which um these characters are are treated in um like Mark Millar books and comics where Mark Millar doesn't in his comics say anything about black people in general. There's nothing necessarily racist written on the page, but the roles that they always inhabit are characters that like your girlfriend is leaving you for, or your dad is sleeping with, or, you know, they, they don't have a character other than like, they're a, a person that you take some sort of action with, or that, you know, there's, I don't know, it, it's it's weird to ascribe any sort of like meaning there with, and you know, with Joss Whedon, and but man, it, it really it is a question, and it sure feels right. weird. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, and it, all of her char- Amy Acker's characters are the small, uh, kind of meek, wearing a lab coat type characters, and. I don't know if he just has a attraction of taking certain archetypes and putting them together. I don't know.
1: He certainly seems to have just made the same characters play in different things, hasn't he? (laughs) Just over and over again.
4: Oh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, a little
1: bit.
0: Except Nathan Fillion, he's different every time he shows up.
3: No, I
4: love
3: Nathan Fillion.
4: My yeah. favorite Nathan Fillion role is still definitely his one episode appearance on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where he essentially played himself on Castle.
0: <laughs> I was I was sure you were going to say Captain Hammer.
1: I was going to say Captain Hammer. I love Captain <laughs> Hammer.
0: Uh,
4: Captain me Hammer. too.
1: But I also loved Castle. That was one of many of the murder shows with the non,
4: you know. Right? Detective. That's a classic murder <laughs> detective teams up with non-murder detective to solve it murder. It makes the
1: least sense of any of them, and I love it.
4: Since
2: we're talking about the race topic and earlier, I think, Chris, did you mention that Marty was, like, shaggy?
3: I did.
2: So when this movie came out, right after it came out, there was this big theory that the main characters were based off of Scooby-Doo archetypes. um, And they very obviously align, but then we get to Holden, who then is the brown guy that gets stuck being Scooby. Oh,
1: no. Yes. It makes it worse. I hope that's Mm. not true. It makes it way worse. I don't
2: think it's true, but it was a common thing in the whatever fandom it had. And it was kind of a big movie when it came out at the time.
4: I'll tell you why I don't buy into the main characters of Scooby Doo characters theory. Because that would mean one character is Velma and there are no fucking weird characters in this movie. <laughs> but I think yeah, Dana. Dana the...
0: is Velma and Dana is, is the worst Velma. Yeah, <laughs> Dana is the
4: worst. The worst, Velma. worst Velma. <laughs> what an insult. Wow.
3: Wow. You are the worst Velma. Go think about that.
0: Everybody Who on the podcast me, is a I would better be... Velma than Dana.
4: Honestly, if someone told me that I would legitimately be devastated.
1: I would cry the rest of my life. <laughs> I have dishonored Velma. Yeah,
0: I'm worried I'm the Freddy of this podcast. <laughs>
4: oh. I don't know. I'm sure, look, you can definitely, look, I'm sure you look great and in, like, in a neckerchief.
1: <laughs> Wait, who, okay. Now we have to do
4: this. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm Michelangelo.
1: We can't <laughs> all be Michelangelo. <laughs>
4: the hell i can't
1: is that meme gonna to be too old by the time this comes out okay so queer stuff can we get to the queer stuff
0: yes let's talk about all of the queer representation
4: in this movie
1: i am i feel very mad that there wasn't even a fake queer representation for ben and i to spend a long time just thinking
4: about yeah this didn't even have like the mummy being like Look, there might not have been queer people in it, but it sure made a lot of uh, like real people realize they're queer.
3: This is definitely this falls back with like
1: the first purge, where the queerest thing in the movie is just Sigourney Weaver's uh, outfit.
4: Yeah,
2: what are your headcanons for the characters? It was was anyone queer and we just didn't know it?
0: I mean, Fornicus definitely. Fornic- I mean,
1: <laughs> Fornicus has now joined the Babadook with like queer icons.
4: I'm gonna say I actually think Marty would have been by.
1: I think he would have been by, too. I actually was going to say that as well.
4: I might just be thinking
2: positively for myself, but I think Holden would have gone both ways.
3: <laughs> Wishful thinking.
0: The movie is, is aggressively straight. I just want
4: to so put that out it's there. Very it's very really, straight.
1: Look at how hard we're working. Usually I do not have to work this hard to accidentally bait myself
4: <laughs> right let's talk about batman like, it's, come like to batman usually podcast. we're able to go like look that character had like cuffed up their jeans like that means they're <laughs> queer like this movie didn't even give us that to work with like there wasn't a, like there wasn't a flannel shirt or like a dude in a tank top like anywhere to be seen it gave you've us gotta, nothing
1: you've got to give us something movie all we wanted all we need is a nugget and we will run with
2: it.
4: We will. A side you,
1: character, somebody with five lines. I will obsess over them, I promise. You
4: give
2: us an inch, we will stretch it a mile. Oh wait, we we're forgetting about Ronald the
4: intern.
3: You're right, Ronald the intern is definitely gay.
2: Definitely.
0: I was gonna say Mordecai, but whatever. Yeah, I was gonna
4: say Mordecai definitely has a husband, like he's coming <laughs> home too.
1: <laughs> Mordecai has a great life. He's secretly the one that's the happiest. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, he takes his job very seriously. Like he's, uh, when you love what you do, you don't, you don't work a day in your life. Right.
1: But when he clocks out, it's, it's all, you know, work is at the table. He he gets to go home and have his happy life. And he's like a chill dude. I yeah.
4: can't get over the idea of just Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain, <laughs> but just in like casual clothes, like club clothes.
1: Wait, is he dating Mordecai? Is <laughs> he... Yes.
4: That's the ship. That's the ship. Mordecai <laughs> slash Fornicus.
0: Got Mordecai and Mordecai. Fornicai.
4: Mordekai Maybe they
2: meet up when the old gods come it's, out and they uh, have a bonker together. It's either
4: Fordecai yeah, or and I do like Forti or uh Mordecais, or
3: They're both good.
1: You know what? We did it. we had to work really hard with this one, but we got there.
4: High five team. <laughs> We made it gay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel like that's a whole nother podcast. Like just make it gay. Just... Make it gay. How that much how much podcast. work does it
4: take to make it gay? <laughs> it wasn't gay, but then I made it gay.
0: <laughs> and uh I guess finally we got disability and mental illness. Anything there that I'm missing, guys?
1: Well, there is a almost R word in this uh it's a celebu Oh yeah. We're not good.
0: That's another one that feels very much of the time that this movie was made, that now would not have made it into the script.
4: No, no. (laughs) Uh, There isn't, and again, it's like, I feel like we've been talking a lot about this hypothetical, very different version of the movie that would have dealt with a lot more like gaslighting and mental instability. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is the version of the movie that actually exists. So I don't think uh, it really deals with much of that.
0: Yeah, there's not gas that makes you, you know, insane or paranoid or, or anything like that. It's just gas that makes you dumb.
4: Yeah, Dumb um, or horny. But, but I guess like,
0: or I'd horny. almost
4: rather have it not touch on the stuff at all than kind of make the substant like the more substantive mistakes it does like in regards to its uh, women characters. That's fair. Like, it, I feel like that's almost like I don't know. I feel like that's a whole philosophical debate. Like, is it better to not do <laughs> it, to not like touch upon a, a matter, or touch upon it but do it poorly?
1: That is a good question to which I do not have an answer.
4: Me neither. I like I feel like that's that's a college course right there on certain <laughs> at least a or at least a singular lecture class. It
0: Certainly is better is. to have been queer baited and lost than never to have been queer baited at all.
1: This is accurate, actually. <laughs> when you put it that way, I agree with it.
4: I'm gonna say yes, because then care because then like creators can reboot it and make it as queer as it was supposed to be.
1: And by creators you mean fan fiction.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well specifically I'm talking I'm thinking uh Gabrielle and Zena. Oh yeah as queer bait that then got like actually made into canon. Well, no, in uh, the most recent comics have, uh, the official ones have Xena and Gabrielle as like an actual couple now.
3: Yeah. This I did not know. Yeah. Oh,
4: rad. They got korra <laughs> I am
1: adding
3: that to my list currently.
0: <laughs> all right, so that's all of our our major questions there. Um, so <laughs> it's a bunch of no's. After we've having gone through all that, having said all of that, would you recommend this movie? Do you you still think it's good?
3: Yeah.
4: Yes. Yes. It it is. I would definitely recommend it more for people who like like horror movies. Yeah. Like I think if you're like if you consider yourself like a big horror fan, I think just how good it is at being meta and and kind of deconstructing a lot of the genre just makes it a bit of a must-watch. I could see it being a little bit of a harder sell for people not quite as versed in the genre.
3: You say
1: that, but this was actually one of my first... I didn't watch horror movies much uh, as a teenager. I was way too much of a scaredy cat, but I started watching them as an adult, and this was one of the first ones I watched, actually, and it got me into the genre. So
4: That's interesting. But, you know, anyway. all, Yeah, all in all, like I said, like I feel like definitely... like star's been dinged off since like the last time I saw it, but all in all, I still definitely give this movie like a thumbs up. like I had a great time watching it, um, and I definitely would recommend it
1: I agree yeah i I would recommend I will watch it again, probably so
0: So TJ is the the hardcore cabin in the woods stand. How are you feeling about after after this watch and this talk?
2: Um, I mean, I think I said earlier, just I still love it i this was the first time that I had watched it since being more the word coming you enlightened i was going to say woke and i'm like no, that's not the right you can't word call yourself woke right more enlightened about certain things but I think it holds up as a film overall. And I, I agree with Ben yeah. that I think people would enjoy it more if they are a little more versed in horror films. But I think it's just for a certain type of person, a person like Chris. So if you're not versed in horror, you could still enjoy it.
1: <laughs> I wonder what a person like Chris means in this instance. i gonna <laughs> think about it for a long time.
2: A great person. I mean there's um
0: there's certainly imaginary versions of this in all of our heads that are like better, right? Cause there's, yeah. I think the a lot of the real horror that could be found in this comes from the sort of gaslighting and changing of personalities, sure. which is a thing that none of the characters realize is happening to them. You know, even the one person who does realize it's happening is not seeing himself and that seeing other people. I don't know. There, there's something to be said about that. I do, I do still like this movie. I do think it's good. I do think it feels a little less even than it did, you know, when when I watched it before, where it all felt sort of in tune to me. It definitely feels like I, I said on Twitter, um, not to continue to harp on Joss Whedon, but that there is a distinct difference between being clever and being self-aware, and this movie does clever very well. And not so great at self aware. Like we're saying, it does a lot of the things that it is pointing out. Even in the case of, like, when we're talking, you know, nudity and, and exploitation, it can be something that uh, is, is happening and they don't necessarily do in the movie. You know, you can be made very clear that, you know, she's topless and they're having sex without it being explicitly like being beamed up on this, uh, you know, screen for all these guys to watch and talk about.
2: Right. And that was that was never a negotiable thing, from what I remember. They, when they were picking an actress for Jules, the actresses knew they were going to have a shirtless scene, and it was not up for debate.
0: Although I did, I did read that this was uh, the first scene that Drew Goddard ever directed, and that he was very flustered by having to direct this first scene with a with a, a topless Jules in there.
4: Yeah, I gotta say, your first scene being a sex scene is. Uh that's, that's nice. quite the challenge
0: uh so yeah I, I still recommend it but with much more hesitation than i would have the first time i saw it where i was sure it was a, a an unqualified masterpiece now all of that said uh i would come to the part where we uh giving people recommendations if people liked cabin in the woods um we, we've come up with a hundred different better versions of this same movie that they can't watch but what what should they go watch what do you think they would enjoy
1: so I think if you like Cabin in the Woods, and you would like to see a different, and I would say way more self-aware, uh, take take down or take a part of a horror genre that's different than this one, I would watch Little Evil on Netflix, which is basically this, but for the uh, apocalypse, like uh, possessed child genre of horror it is newer it is a lot more self-aware and handles a lot more of um cultural issues way better including having a canon trans character
4: yes oh i love little evil and they got ben wyatt in it
1: yeah ben wyatt in it and i will always be here for adam scott
4: i and (laughs) i'm a big fan of the casual trans representation in little evil
1: it's good i love little evil
0: it's interesting how we've diverged on different people from uh, Parks and Rec. We're all still <laughs> very much here for Adam Scott, less so for Christopher Pratt. Oh, yes.
3: Uh, some
0: some
4: I, people
1: made it out of that okay.
4: Yeah. I mentioned it earlier, but if you're looking for something that really kind of uh, deconstructs the horror genre, looks at it from new, interesting angles, and especially if you liked, like the funny parts of this movie, uh, and you want something that's just a straight-up like horror comedy, uh tucker and dale versus evil is a great time
0: yeah that plays uh, with the same sort of cabin in the woods tropes
4: and you had me scared because i thought you took
2: one of my answers i thought <laughs> you're gonna bring up scream again and I'm like, uh, no i have to talk about scream so obviously scream you... is
4: all yours i uh, i <laughs> I, cl- I claim uh the all the love for tucker and dale versus evil but uh scream, the stage is yours for scream
2: yeah, Scream, another meta. It's more focused on the slasher subgenre of horror, but it's a, another funny horror movie. It's a classic. I love it. Uh, and then my second one is one I also mentioned earlier, which is Evil Dead, but specifically the 2013 reboot, because it came out not too long after Cabin in the Woods, and it was very funny to see a movie that was very serious doing the same uh, partial plot of the cabin in the woods but it's still very well done so i recommend that
0: yeah and uh, my recommendation i've already talked about it at some point during this but if you like the cleverness and the the way that this gets into and, and dissects ideas and some of just the the sparkling brilliance of the dialogue in this um the good place is a really good tv show <laughs> Um, it is yeah it's it's done it is good beginning middle and end there is no part of it that i'm like oh you can skip that season um it's it's fantastic and if you haven't seen it i absolutely recommend watching all of it and listening to the podcast uh, because there's an official show podcast which is hosted by mark evan jackson who is the best i love mark evan jackson
2: i'm currently watching the last season of the good place and i love it
0: Wow, it's so good too. yeah i uh i had i'm I'm gonna brag here for a moment um and that uh i'm i'm friends with uh, Acker and blacker who make the thrilling adventure hour and i got to write some stuff for thrilling adventure hour and the last one i wrote uh i wrote a um i wrote a story that mark evan jackson was in so get to actually put put lines in the mouth of Mark Evan Jackson and then uh, That is awesome. I can't believe yeah.
1: I didn't know this. I love the Thrilling Adventure Hour.
0: Yeah, I so I've written two stories for the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Uh, they're both like post original run stories, but I, I wrote one uh, with uh, Amelia Earhart and Joan of Arc, which is the story where I was like the first story I did for them and Ben's were like, hey, do you want to write a story? I was like, yes, I want to write Amelia Earhart one and I wanted to actually be queer rather than like yes. like <laughs> queer so I, I did that and then i did a sparks nevada story which is in the in this run of that they've been doing during quarantine of zoom performances um so i think will eventually be available on the podcast itself but has been otherwise just available to buy for like a donation to charity yeah and that's a i, I decided i wanted to do a, a supernatural sci-fi western story in that one which was a lot of fun And that's how I got to meet uh, and talk to Mark Evan Jackson online, which was super cool. Yeah. Nice. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Super neat.
4: Does that wrap up our discussion of Cabin in the Woods?
0: Yes. So now that I'm done bragging. (laughs) So that's that's everything we have to say about Cabin in the Woods. Uh, Now that I've officially set it up, we do have a Twitter. If you want to come tell us why we're wrong or right about Cabin in the Woods. It is a uh, prog horror pod, as in progressive horror podcast. You can come yell at us there. We may or may not answer you yet. We're still trying to get the, <laughs> we're still trying to get that all put together. Now, as for the individual ones of us, if you want to come yell at us personally, TJ, uh, you want to go first on this since you haven't talked on here before. Where can people find you online?
2: Sure. So people can find me on Twitter at Troyfin2. Uh, where I talk about all things book-related and occasionally Batman-related. And I also co-run the at Gotham Outsiders Twitter account as well with Chris.
1: Nice.
0: And uh, Chris, that's a good segue to you.
1: So you can find me personally at The Myth of Psyche and also co-running the Gotham Outsiders Twitter because we also have a podcast together, as we mentioned, where we talk about Batman and frequently make it gayer than it is on text
2: always gayer
1: it's always gayer
2: and ben
0: where can people find you online
4: uh, you can find me on twitter at, at @benthecon and you can find uh heavenly blues and griffin galaxy's most wanted uh in digital and comicsology and the heavenly blues trade paperback at scoutcomics.com and keep an eye out for Renegade Rule coming out from uh, Dark Horse this spring.
0: Awesome. And I am jrome58 on Twitter. It's J-R-O-M-E 58 You can also find me at my my website at jeremywhitley.com. Currently, by the time this comes out, at least part of my Marvel Action Chillers miniseries that I'm doing with IDW will have come out, which is our scary Marvel stories for a, a younger generation. Get some, some great Ironheart and um, unstoppable wasp and also bloodstone action in there with your your werewolf captain americas and the like in addition to that i've got uh my original series is princeless and raven the pirate princess and school for extraterrestrial girls as well as there's probably a pony book i wrote coming out this month if you're into my little pony but that wraps us up for tonight like i said find us online and uh, let us know how you feel and until next week when we'll be talking about the Duke. we'll see you then icon progressively horrified is created and produced by jeremy whitley this episode was written by jeremy whitley chris carey ben khan and tj Finnessy. all opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers nor do they represent any of the employers institutions or publishers of the commentators our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was available royalty-free from Pixabay. You can become an important part of Progressively Horrified by becoming a member of our Patreon at patreon.com slash Progressively Horrified. If you want to sponsor Progressively Horrified, please contact us via Twitter at Progressively Horrified or by our email at progressively horrified at gmail.com.
4: Do we? What do, you, do we? We got a winner of a podcast on our hands.
1: We do, and I can never show my face in public again.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair, at this point, probably none of us should be showing our faces in public. <laughs> Just the upper half of your face, anyway. It's
1: fair. <laughs> it will protect me from COVID and shame.
0: Tonight, we're going to be talking about the 2011 movie. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I did not edit this correctly. I and mean, uh, I almost pulled around Burgundy.
3: Um <clears throat> well, The first
0: it, Cabin it in the Woods. 20,
4: it is twenty eleven of uh, in the butt numathon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, the twenty eleven movie The First Cabin in the Woods. Because apparently <laughs> I took this from from the, the first purge uh, outline. All right.
1: Good.
2: I can't uh, wait to hear you guys
3: talk about Boba Duke uh, and Pennywise and their dating relationship. I'm
4: excited I've never seen. It. I'm excited to watch it.